You want to power up for springtime with Factor. That's right. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Get nutritious chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door. Knock, knock. Who's there? Dinner. It leaves you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list. Look and feel your best in time for warmer weather with Calorie Smart Meals, around 550 calories or less. If you're too busy to cook, like I am, uh, with Factor, you can skip all the preparation, all the chopping and the churning and the, uh, and, and the cleaning up. Uh, Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat them and enjoy them. Uh, I like them. I like having them. I like getting home if I'm like, what am I going to eat? What, you know, and if I just need to take the thought out of it, boom, Factor does that for me, and I'm well-fed, and I'm full. Head over to factormeals.com slash Theo50 and use code Theo50 to get 50% off your first box. You'll want to try them. I like them. I have a new tour date to announce. Springdale, Utah on July 6th at the OC Tanner Amphitheater. Uh, the pre-sale begins Wednesday, March 8th at 10 a.m. local time with code RATKING. And the general on sale begins Friday, March 10th at 10 a.m. local time. We've added a fourth show in Las Vegas, Nevada on July 1st at the Encore Theater. I will also be in Hollywood, Florida on April 7th at Hard Rock Live. That's the day before the Miami UFC fights. We will be in Uncasville, Connecticut, July 21st, Bethlehem, PA, July 22nd, and Atlantic City, New Jersey, on July 23rd. All tickets are available at theovon.com slash T-O-U-R. Today's guest is an award-winning singer and songwriter. Uh, he's written for some of the greats like Morgan Wallen and Blake Shelton. Um, he has a new solo album, The Mockingbird and the Crow, which he's out touring with right now. Uh, I've gotten to know him over the past few years, and there is no one just more down to earth and enjoyable to be around than this man. Today's guest is Hardy. I, I live like I could walk here. I, I would be tired, but I could walk here. Could you really? Yeah, I mean, I would be tired. It would take me. 20 Are we rolling? Minutes, but all right. So it would take you. So it would take you how long to walk here? I mean, maybe thirty minutes. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's like two miles. It's like a mile and a half. But that's not walking somewhere. That's your. At that point, you're you're hitchhiking. Yeah, kind of. I could bum a ride here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I could bum a ride here. That's that, I feel like that feels like a better state. Yeah, you're, that's. But I don't know why people don't use that. Like, because because technically, you, you know how they're like, you could walk there, and like technically, you could pretty much walk any. Like, you could yeah. walk anywhere. Yeah. Until you had to swim or whatever, but. Yeah, you could walk almost like it's crazy. It's crazy to think of the old days when people were like, "I'll head over," and they you got there like four hours. Oh later. yeah. 
anything, dude, anything could happen between them. Like you wouldn't know. Yeah. Like you'd have to be like, you'd have to call somebody on a payphone and be like, I'll see you on Saturday. And before payphones, it was like by letter. It was like, I'll be there next month. And then they never showed up and they just like got killed by a bear or something. Yeah. <laughs> or people like, or like a parent showed up and they're like, where's our daughter? And the guy's like, I, you know, <laughs> she fucking died or something. She went to get some water and I haven't seen her. And he's yeah. lying. He uh, took her, he took her life. Yeah, exactly. Damn. That's like some Game of Thrones shit, dude. Oh, that's heartbreaking, man. Yeah. We live in a, we live in a more convenient died. time than, than ever. Yeah. It's pretty wild. It's so yeah, th- things are almost too convenient now. It is, dude. We, I've, I've, somebody needs to do a study on this, but I get, I think that like, do you remember like in the nineties, eighties, whenever, but that when you heard a song on the radio that you loved and you, the next time you got to hear that song was on the radio. Yeah. So, and it was so euphoric to hear that song again because you didn't have access to it. Where now it's like, if you like one song, you can go listen to every single thing that artist or whatever has ever done. Yeah. And back then, you had the the luxury of having that euphoric moment of like oh, it was having magic. that to yourself, you know, and then having to like record it on the on the fucking on the cassette, tape. cassette. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it almost felt magical too. Like if it came on at a certain moment, it was like that. Were like, that was like the gods telling you this is it, you know? Yeah. Like oh, I was driving by and this played, and yeah, there yeah, she yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you had no control over it. It just no. had to happen to you. Yeah. Now you can sit outside of somebody's house for like seven hours and play the same song over mm-hmm. and over again. Mm-hmm. You know until the cops show up and take you somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's like you couldn't have yeah, before. You couldn't. Yeah. You couldn't build up that dirty momentum like you can now. Yeah. Uh, dang, dude, that is so crazy. D- things see, but then think of how much power the DJ had back then. Yeah. Because he's like, you know what? Right now I feel things out there kind of slipping, slipping out of our grasp. I'm going to yeah. put you guys on something. And he put out a love tune. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Or like we are the world. You know what I mean? Like, oh. He, he controlled the narrative of people's lives back in the day. It's pretty the crazy. DJ was powerful, wasn't mm-hmm. he? It was always like the DJ had a dance. It was like that, but for the whole oh, city yeah. or a nation, it was like when that song came on, it was like, this is what everybody's going to feel. If somebody right now is like, if two spouses are fighting or whatever, the casserole oh, yeah. ain't good, I'm about to hit them with this love ballad yeah. and everything's going to change. Yeah, and that's the only way that they could hear it. They couldn't do it themselves. Let's see how to... A violin or something. Yeah. Or a capability. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to have a real capability. Yeah. Something like that. Um, Hardy, good to see you, man. Dude, happy to be here, man. I know. I'm stoked. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Man. You guys for, are. I know you, you were, uh, had to, or, or pushed your flight or let, or leaving tomorrow now. I really yeah. appreciate you making the time, dude. I am. I really well, I'm that. glad to make it, man. Um, I'm so happy for your career, dude. Thank you. It's been awesome. Past it's, couple of years has been incredible. Bro, I didn't know you were such a it's almost like going to a fitness him. It is like going to a dang a show. Yes. Yeah, when dude. you go see Hardy, if you have not if you haven't gone to see Hardy, then you you need to go see him. Um you're gonna be touring with Morgan and doing what do you what do you have? Right now I'm on I have my first like real live nation like headliner tour, okay. Mockingbird and the Crow tour, and we're like quarter of the way through it now it's only like 20 shows so uh like five weekends but uh yeah this summer i'm doing the uh uh i guess it's called one night at a time tour with morgan i should know i should be more confident with that but i think that's what (laughs) it's called with morgan uh ernest uh and bailey zimmerman 
And then Parker McCollum is going to when I there's some shows that I can't do because I had other shows booked. So he's he's doing filling my spot when when I'm gone or whatever. Nice. And that's dude, like two nights at the biggest venues in the world is like the craziest thing to me. Uh, it just like what do you mean when you say when you're saying that you're like like well just Morgan like I've known him for so long now and like he you know he's always just been Morgan and and it's just it's so hard to process that one of my friends is literally quite literally the one of the biggest artists on the planet like yeah college football stadiums are the biggest like that's oh he's like the white usher of the he's the white 10. usher yeah dude yeah maybe even white michael jack the he, yeah well <laughs> yeah yeah he's like i don't know <laughs> yeah. he's the michael half he's a country michael <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 exactly dude but it's no he's cool. like elvis presley kind of dude it's it's crazy yeah. And like, I just, I don't know. I came up with him and like, I, I, I like toured with him. Like he brought me on my first tour as an opener and we were doing like rooms of like 800, maybe to 2000, you know, and just to know that he's doing Which technically like 80,000 people and shit yeah. is fucking unbelievable. So proud of him, man. Yeah. Oh, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, I've only known you guys for maybe a couple years mm-hmm. and I went. I got to go to some of his shows last tour. Yeah. But the thing, and it, it was amazing. I mean, when Morgan goes on, you know, you've heard. I never realized that I could sing for two hours straight. Like yeah. everybody, you know, every yeah. single word. And everybody in the whole place is singing it too, which is awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. But watching you, man, it is like a fit. It's like I'm like, dang, if that guy's wearing his like Fitbit. his Fitbit. Well, I just said that in an interview like an hour ago. That dude is, he going to step out. He's going to beat his year and, and a half Somehow a I get fat when I go on tour, dude. <laughs> I have no idea how, dude. But well, because it's, yeah, it's just incredible, man. It's you, such man. a show, bro. It's so thank powerful. Yeah, I'm just, it's, I, I don't know. I just have the, I feel like I grew up like watching rock shows and then like I, FGL had me out a lot like early and I got to watch their show and how active they were and like. I don't know. I just feel like I learned from that, and that's just kind of the only way I know how to, you know, translate all that into mine or whatever. Yeah, it feel, and it just feels like it fits you. It feels like just like yeah. oh, you're just getting who hard he is. That's what I'm feeling like. Oh wow, yeah, this is who this guy is. This is real exciting. Yeah, man, it matches the music too, especially with like we're doing the rock stuff now, and and so it's the music itself is really high energy. So I, I feel like I'm just having to keep up with my the mute the songs, you know. And oh dang, portray all that at the same time, I guess. Are there ones where you got to take a couple of breaths before you start the bro? Yeah, there's dude. I there are some songs that I am like suffocating, dude. And I literally, I'll just like hold the mic out and be like, "You guys, come on!" But really, I'm like just fucking dying, dude. Just trying to catch my breath. And half your fans are probably smokers too. Like, no, no, you, <laughs> you do it. No, you, no, you. And I'm like, no, fucking seriously, dude. Uh, yeah. There's times for sure, man. It's bad. like the first. Right now, our set, the first six songs is like a ball buster, dude. And it's awesome, but there's like no break. And they're the first five songs especially are like all the the biggest, like the heaviest like rock songs and the biggest singing and screaming songs. So there's like no break. It's crazy. That's fine. Exhausted, dude. but it's fun. Yeah, the new album, so Mockingbird of the Crow, it's like, um, it reminds me some of Kid Rock in a way. Rock. That's a, the, yeah, it sure. reminds me of Kid Rock and... And then obviously country music. Yeah. You know, so it's, yeah. that's, uh, and people say you look like Kid Rock too. Dude, do you remember 
We were somewhere when you met Kid Rock. Weren't we in the oh, same yeah, place? Yeah, we were, dude. It was uh, it, Miranda Lambert opened her bar. Yes. The uh, um, oh man, Ca- Casa Casa Rosa or something like that. Yeah, like a Spanish bar. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. In downtown, and uh, yeah, she had a big, big star-studded thing. There upstairs. we go. Yeah, and people and uh, people <laughs> yeah, had always dude. told you you guys look like each other. Well, damn. Yeah, dude, I get it. I, I'm seeing more memes and stuff now. But dude, Are I, you? I, yeah, and I yeah. like that night when we met. Like he already knew about it apparently. Uh-huh. So like he made a joke. He like was like my long lost brother, which kind of that because because I I was a huge fan of Kid Rock back in the day, like massive and still am, and I, I know him now, which is crazy, but I love him and and um. Yeah, so he was in on the joke, and like the first thing he did is like took my hat off and put his hat, and was like, "Let's take a picture, you know, twins or whatever." It was cool. Yeah, but yeah, that was that night. I was, I was, I forgot about that. That was, that was really cool. Yeah, I think I honestly, I think I might have taken one of those pictures. I have to look through my pictures and see. Um, yeah. So where did some of that that come from for you? So because some guys don't have that both sides of that thing. They're really they're in one world kind of, but you don't. You really walk. That's you have a foot in both. Yeah. In both boots, man. Man, I tell everybody, like, I grew up in a small town and, you know, country. You know, I grew up 8,000 people and uh, probably real similar to Covington, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, similar, just just small, small-ass town. And so, like, growing up, that's uh, everything lifestyle-wise I absorbed. So that's, like, that's where all the country comes from and the lyrics and all that stuff. That's how I grew up. But, like, I did not listen to country music at all. Who listened to music in your house that you Everybody. Heard? My music... Other than like God, you know, like music was number two behind, you know, religion in my, in my house. Like, like, uh, there was always music playing. My sister was a really good singer. Uh, my dad didn't play or sing, but he was like obsessed with rock and roll and my mom played piano. So, I mean, music was, you know, it was huge in my house. So I I had no choice but to be obsessed with it growing up. Do you remember like the first song you ever heard? Yeah. Really? I I have a vivid memory, dude. It was, uh, Alive by Pearl Jam. Oh, dude, I know a, where we were in Philadelphia, in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Yeah, we were in my dad's truck, and he had a cassette, and he said, "Listen to this. This is a band called Pearl Jam." And he put the cassette in, and the, that riff from Alive started playing. It was like something out of a movie, dude. And my brain chemistry just changed, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And I was like four, but I remember it's one of my first. Dude, amazing! God. It changed my life forever. Did you? And was it just you and your dad? In that in that moment, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he 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 saw it like then, like he he was like, okay, this you know, thank God, like my son loves rock and roll or whatever. And so, from then until I could like drive, basically every time we got in the truck, it was something new. Aerosmith or ZZ Top, you know, and but it was never country. He he liked a little bit of like Merle Haggard and like, I guess if you call John Prine country, like, but he knew he never played. It was always rock and roll. So I owe all of my, and then I found, you know, then I got into like. The, by the t- my like prime setting like teen you know angst or music influence years was like Linkin Park and like Puddle of Mud and all that new metal Limp Biscuit and all that shit. So I've kind of discovered that on my own. But I owe all of my childhood like music taste or whatever to my dad. It was all classic rock. Mm. Yeah. yeah, there's something interesting. Um, because Lainey Wilson was just on here. Yeah, and- listen to it. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, dude, she like. I mean, yeah, she's magical, and you guys have that great song mm-hmm. together, man. Um, wait in the wait truck. In the truck. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, but I was thinking like, and I was talking on there about the first time that I heard a song, I was with my babysitter. Mm -hmm. And I wonder sometimes if there's like something about just you and your dad together, like sometimes it takes like a certain like, uh, 
I don't know what I'm thinking exactly. Like, cause I remember it was that I was alone with, I'd never been in a car with somebody that wasn't like probably all my brothers and sisters at the same time or all of us. I was like, my babysitter was taking me somewhere. So it was me and her. Right. It was just like this moment. And then she put in a cassette. And so my senses were already real alert. Yeah. 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 Um, That's interesting. I never really thought about it like that. But I'm sure you and your dad had probably gone different places together. But that's cool that he put that in. Dude, imagine yeah. if there's like a dad and he puts like a good song on for the kid and the kid doesn't give a shit, dude. <laughs> dude, coming from a music family, like it would have broken my dad's heart if I would have just looked and said like, I don't I don't like this. Can you just turn it? Can we sit in silence? A four-year-old just asking if he could turn it off. This hurts my ears or something, dude. Bro, that'd be so crazy. He would have He would have died. He would have hated that. Or the dad even puts on something that's kind of like just not even that great. And the kid's like, this is trash. Yeah, but the know? dad like loves like his favorite song. And he's just, <laughs> the kid's like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> that would have been horrible, dude. I hope that does not happen to me, dude. That would break my heart if I have a kid one day. And I know that would have to be such a heartbreaker, dude. I think about that a lot. Like, imagine if your kid isn't smart and you have to like wish him good luck on a test or something when he mm. leaves for school, Man. and you know, like the luck isn't gonna, nothing's gonna help him. I, I feel like parents probably go through that though. Oh, you know what yeah. I mean? Like your kid sucks at. Fucking volleyball, out of soccer, I don't know. But you go out, you just have, like, your kid likes it for whatever reason, and you just have to go watch him, like, fail until they lose interest in it. Oh, that's crazy, though. If you have a kid who, like, he loves, like, just not even being good at it, kind of, but he still wants to go. Because usually kids want to stop going if they're not good, you Yeah, know? but I guess when you're, like, a young kid, I don't know. That's I, I don't know what would go on in a kid's mind. But, like, T-ball, you know, like, if they're horrible – like, does the kid, is the kid old enough to be like, I'm not very good? I, I don't feel like a kid would say, I'm not very good at this. I don't want to do it anymore. Maybe, yeah. maybe at like seven or eight, but when they're real little, maybe not. And then you have to have that talk, like, you know, like if, especially parents that grew up like, you know, middle class or whatever you want to call it. And, and like, they're spending money, you know, on this thing and they're, you know, the kid's terrible. Like, yeah. does the parent sit them down and say like, look, maybe you should find something that's, you're going to actually be better at. So we don't, we're not spending our money on this <laughs> wasteful shit i don't know yeah that's wild that's, i think that's kind of yeah i'm trying to think of what i played i think i played oh our team was uh, did you play baseball oh dude i was bad i was under i couldn't even believe i was so bad at baseball dude yeah and the field we played on was like slanted right we had a bad was something. it slanted down so would so would a home run be easier to hit though like because, you know, in golf, like, if it's downhill, it's technically shorter. Oh, than no, that would have been great. Ours was just slanted <laughs> over to the side to right field. <laughs> oh, so no. every, like, kind of, if you hit it to third, it ended up, like, out in center field. <laughs> so it was. What was uh, the name of your park? Mm, oh, we played out at uh, Cordell Furniture Cordell and American Furniture. Legion. Like okay, a, American Legion. Yeah, yeah. that's that's everybody so usually played at American Legion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Our, ours was Northside Park, but the I'm pretty sure the American Legion was like right behind the park. Yeah, it's like that comes as a package deal. It's like the National Guard, the fire station, and the American yeah. Legion, right? Yeah, especially like in a smaller community, that yeah. stuff is awesome. Man. Yeah. Um. What was so? What was Philadelphia like? You're from Philadelphia, Mississippi. What yeah. was that kind of like? Man, I loved it, dude. It sounds Every like a perfect size. Eight thousand is like kind it's, of a great dude, it size. It is the most cliche, in a way, the most cliche in the best way. Like small town, dude. At like when you hear like a cliche ass country song about the courthouse square and the whole deal. Yeah. It, it's it is the definition of a small town. But dude, it. You know, I, I hear a lot of people. I meet a lot of people that are like talk about where they're from and they're like, I'm glad I got out of that shithole. And like, I had never felt that way. I absolutely loved my hometown. Yeah. It was really cool. And there was 
obviously, you know, like drama and everything. It was all, there was just as much bad as the good, but I was just very thankful for my time there. And I still love to go. We had it, dude, the coolest thing about my hometown is we have a county fair and this is worth a Google called the Neshoba, N-E-S-H-O-B-A, Neshoba County Fair. Okay. Neshoba County Fair. So that's, so y'all's county was Neshoba County, Mississippi. Yeah, Neshoba. I think it okay. means like. Uh, it's like a Choctaw. Tribe, huh? It's Choctaw. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I think it means like wolf or something like that. I'm not sure. I could be wrong or I could be completely wrong about that. But dude, so this fair is everything else about it is just like a county fair. Uh -huh. You have horse races, all the whole thing, but you, but you have like 800 of these cabins and they're all family owned and you, you, you move out there. Uh, for an entire week, and it's the heat of the summer. It's hot as fuck, and you being from Louisiana in the like the end of July, oh. dude, it's brutal. But and you live out there, and it, they air conditioning, like air, you know, AC units and all that kind of stuff, or window units and stuff. But dude, it's it's the most fun, it's the most unique thing ever because the town literally shuts down, uh -huh. and everybody in the little Quadra County area just goes to the fair, and you you people take off work, like, and you stay out there and just kind of party and hang out for a week and it's amazing and the the houses and stuff they're around a lake or they're around no, a, it's around the fa around the fairgrounds it's, picture it like a giant mm. like cookie cutter neighborhood somewhere okay there's like 10 rows here and then you kind of go over and there's a little section here with a mm -hmm. long row and then back over here but the 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 like cornerstone of it is around there's cabins that wrap around the racetrack and that's like the cool picturesque but there there's 800 of them and they wow. dude it's it's like 200 years old or something crazy like that uh -huh. They're family owned, dude. They get broken up in divorces and wills. You, they're, dude. If somebody sells one, you can sell them for like half a million dollars. It's, it's a really cool little piece of like Americana South that's like kind of still undiscovered. I can't believe like Barstool Sports or somebody hasn't gone out and like kind of blown it up yet. But it's a really cool little gem of the South. Wow, you have never. Can you zoom in on one of those, please, uh, Ben? I've never even seen. I've never even heard of this. The Neshoba County Fair. Yeah, man. Have you played it yet? I did. I got wow. to play it. Uh, I was supposed to play it 2020. It got, first year got canceled since the Civil War. Not since the Civil War. World War II. Um, since the Depression, I believe. And um, But so it got canceled. So I played it in 2021. And it was like, it's like three, top three, like bucket list places that, I, you know, and I got to play it, and it was incredible. Wow. It was really, really cool. And do people come in from around to see it, or is more just the locals kind of go? Well, the locals, it's the locals like have the cabins, right? Okay, and got then it. like you'll have a you'll have a crew like from Jackson that's had a cabin for forever, or maybe from Louisiana or like a we know a family from Texas that somehow has a cabin that come every year. But like a lot of people from around the state will come for like a night, like the first weekend and the last weekend. It starts on a Friday, ends on a Friday, you know. Mm -hmm. And like, so people from all over will take off work and like crash with a friend or go and come or whatever. But uh, for the most part, the people that live around there are the ones that have the cabins. Wow. You guys can't see it. I mean, if you see it on YouTube, maybe you can see some of these pictures, but it's beautiful. I mean, yeah, they have all these homes are beautifully colored and. Yeah. It's like a bourbon street kind of vibe, <clears throat> yeah. honestly. And then it mixed with like college football. Like every, a lot of cabins are like Ole Miss or Mississippi State, Southern Miss, like decorated yeah. kind of thing. Ours is a big Mississippi State cabin. Gang, baby. Yeah. Wow, that's nice, man. Really cool. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp, and we are grateful for them. If you if you struggled, if you do struggle, if you don't feel like you're yourself, if you feel like you're just not fitting into the world or into your life the way that you want to, you may need someone to talk to, and that's okay. Sometimes we need someone else 
to help us uh, get to know ourselves. And BetterHelp can do that. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding. Because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And, and I love this, you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. And I encourage you to do that if you're seeing a therapist, you don't know if it's the right fit, you don't feel like you're getting somewhere, switch until you find the right one. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash T-H-E-O today to get 10% off your first month. Hey, fellas, it's all about confidence. You know it. Confidence, knowing you'll be ready to go when your partner is ready to go. And confidence, you'll be able to get a few extra rounds when you need them. Confidence is what you get with chewables from Blue Chew. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form at a fraction of the cost. That's right. You want to get all, you want to get ready, boy. You want to be readied up. You want to have that rooster ready for mama. And now they have Vardenafel mint flavored chewables with the ingredient, the active ingredient in Levitra and Staxon. So you can stay hard and fresh. You want that fresh wean, baby. Get it. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. I like Blue Chew. I snack on them. Don't like swallowing pills? No problem here. Blue Chew's Sildenafil and Totalafil tablets are chewable. That's right. And guys, here's a special deal for you. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code THEO at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code THEO, to receive your first month free. And what'd your folks do in town, like, for a living? My dad was a chicken farmer, um, and my mom was a food service manager for Philadelphia High School. I went to Neshoba Central, the county school, but my mom was the food service manager, so she, like, was the lunch lady's boss and, like, Oh, dang. meals and, di- you know, like, she the had all big this spatula, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But my, my dad was a chicken farmer. Was he really? Yeah. Wow. So did y'all have extra chickens at the house as pets and stuff? Hell no, dude. No way he didn't bring anything These were, home? This was like, this was like Tyson chicken, dude. Like, Oh, you like working out there at one of the 100 plants? 100-yard long houses with 27,500 chickens in a house. And they're violent, aren't they, those animals? Yeah, like, uh, game roosters are. These chickens were like, I don't know, politically correct. They were not special they were ed. Cha- kind they of were, more. It's fine. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. I was in special ed. Yeah, they were. They were. They were that kind of deal. Like wow. they're. <laughs> yeah, but the yeah. challenge chickens. Yeah, but like, but look. Let's be honest. What they're giving people. Look, you yeah. ain't getting. If you getting a McNugget, you ain't getting bro. the best chicken. No, bro. you're not. And these things, man. You ain't getting a Harvard bird. No. homie. you ain't getting a fucking Yale you're not getting chicken. The, exactly. You're not getting <laughs> yeah. the ones that are like. On pictures on websites and yeah, shit. Yeah, they have those things. No, yeah. Uh-uh. These were like different. They would start like, 
this big, and in seven weeks they'd be a seven pound chicken. Oh. They were pumping them things full of. I don't even know what, dude. And were they sitting in like a little gym? To, I mean, is there, what are they doing? And then they, just, they don't move, huh? No, they're just packed in a house that the floor is literally chicken shit. Oh, man. And, uh, and uh, it's just, it's crazy. It's the way it is, man. And and uh, there's a feed line and there's tons of like, it's just a long feed line and it has a little reservoir and they eat and there's water. And uh, my dad had this thing called a cake machine and it literally, the, it was designed for chicken houses that you would go in after they catch all the chickens because the shit would be so compacted after they, you know, the people and all the chickens have been in there and it would break up the chicken shit and lay it back out like dry and like soft for the oh, next dang. chickens. Cake machine. Wow. Yeah. And is that a real machine that they have? Yeah. I mean, it was. It breaks up chicken shit it, and then what lays it back yeah, out? Yeah, like scoops Like almost it up. till on the soil? Yeah. It's literally, it's kind of like that, but it, it, pro it like goes into this. It's like a big machine, and it, you would scoop it up, and it would go through the machine somehow. And I, I think it would like dry it, and just it turns it into powder again, and lays it back down. And then every time they would catch, you'd have to go back through there. It's like mowing grass, but like scooping up chicken shit. Yeah. Wow. We had a turkey farmer on. Really? Yeah, and it was real interesting just learning about how quick they get them ready for Thanksgiving. Really? You know, and how they like change the lights in there and stuff to make them think that it's day and night and oh. stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. I think maybe my dad did some of that too. It's kind of like that Saw, like Saw the movie, you know? Big Saw vibes, dude, for sure. Like if if I, if I, if reincarnation is a thing, that's one of the last things, if not the last thing I'd want to come back, it would be <laughs> one of those chickens, dude. It's <laughs> crazy. It's a really shitty life, man. God. <laughs> yeah, we're doing better than them. Yeah, we do. Um, are. What uh, I'm trying to think. There's a bunch of stuff that I want to that I want to talk to you about. What was oh, what was I looking at earlier that I was thinking about? Um, how, whenever whenever you start getting into tunes, like what is the first instrument that you get? Like who gets you keyed into music? Like obviously your stuff your dad was listening to, you liked it. Yeah, your mom's playing music around the house. Yes, right. So you're hearing a lot of good tunes. When do you start to really get like an ear? Like oh, this is something that I'm kind of good at. I got I got a guitar when I was little. Um, I got. Like my parents got me like a little Fender Squire, like hundred dollar guitar and a little guitar amp when I was like probably fifth or sixth grade. And I picked it up. I learned like the bar court, like the easiest shit, like smoke on the water and crap like you know what I mean? Like oh, sweet yeah. home Alabama and just all the shit that everybody learns. Stairway to heaven. No, not even, bro. I couldn't that was that was like expert level compared to the shit I was learning. Oh, yeah. Damn. But um yeah, and I picked that up and then like I got I I went into my teen years and I kind of put it back down and then I picked it up again when I was like 16 or 17. And that's when I like started to really, I like figured out like write, songwriting and like all that kind of stuff and like actually learning a little bit more about the guitar and getting a little bit better and stuff was like, like later in high school. And did you feel more like a performer or did you feel like a writer? Like when you, when you think about what you felt like that drew you to something, you know, like, like sometimes a comedy, like, I don't know if I think of myself as a writer. I think of myself yeah. as a performer. Right. It's I like think your of myself delivery as is me and, right. and, and, and a, yeah, like a performer. Sure. Did you have one or, or did you have a. Man, it was writing for me, dude. Uh, it was writing for me until five years ago. Mm. Like I moved to town to be a songwriter. And, um, my goal was to write hits for people. And then, um, so that I always had that in mean, like in, like in my favorite class in school, I liked like biology cause I loved animals and like being outside and all that kind of stuff. But 
I I was not a very good student, but I excelled randomly in writing, and I was I always had a really good knack for it, whether it was like essay, you know, like short story, oh, yeah, whatever yeah. you had to write in school. And uh, I just had a knack for it, and I was obsessed with it, like knowing that I had the ability to create a story or make something up or say something. And writing was always like really uh, important to me for whatever reason. And now I know why. Like that was just a like that was the gift that God gave me, I guess, was my interest in writing or whatever. And, um, but so I, I, that's, it was always writing. And then, um, the record, like the, the artist thing, you know, people say doing the artist thing that came around the time, like Morgan's up down was a hit. Like that, cause that, that was my first number one as a writer. And it was his first number one as an artist. And he was at Big Loud and I was writing other songs for other people at Big Loud. And that's when they kind of came to me and, and they were just like, if, you know, do you want to do the artist thing? Wow. Yeah. And that was 20, 2018. Damn, so that's not that long ago. No. It, dude, it feels like a time has flown by, but it also feels like forever ago. But, like, I didn't – I was super apprehensive about it. Like, Well, most I, of that was COVID. Yeah. A lot I, of it. Yeah, I mean, when I really – my shit finally kind of started going is when 2020 happened. Um, But I was I, – I saw, like, what Morgan was going through, and it's not a bad thing. It's it's great, but, like, you if, you're, if your shit, like, pops off, like, it – it, your life changes. You uh, you understand. I mean, like your life changes forever. And and I just didn't know. Like I had an offer on the table, and I sat with it for months because I didn't know if I wanted to to do it. I was I'd had some success as a writer, and I was like, man, this you get to go write a fucking song and then go play golf every day or something. And and uh, I just got done reading The Alchemist and that book. It talks about opportunities and omens and stuff like that a lot. And and so I had that in my head because it it kept kind of getting brought up of like you know, like, are you going to sign this record deal and blah, blah, blah. And mm. then I finally just said, I, I'm, I'm going to do it. Cause I didn't want to regret it later, you know, having yeah. turned it down or whatever. I think it's awesome that you, that you did choose that. I mean, you know, like Mississippi has a lot of great writers, Yeah, you know, I mean, over time, some of the greatest writers yeah. are from Mississippi and, um, yeah, Eudora Welty, I think she's from Mississippi, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, dude. And then you've got Elvis. <clears throat> oh yeah. You got Robert Johnson who arguably created rock and roll with the blues. Um, does is is does he have a, does his son did his son play music too? I think so. I should know that, but I don't. Um, but yeah, and it's it's nice to see Mrs. Kind of like you know because people a lot of times, especially in the South, they put an artist onto a state. You know, yeah. it's good to see Louisiana getting a guy. It's good to see Mississippi. Yeah, you know, have a musician. You know, like yeah. that uh, people can get behind and a guy that has his own point of view and stuff like that. I think yeah. it's because also a, a, a place needs that. Sure. You know, there needs to be a, a young man in Mississippi right now who loves your music, and then he's going to learn. He might not even realize right now you're from Mississippi. He yeah. might just, and then in five years he realized, no way he's for. I could do that. Yeah. You know? So because that's how things happen. Absolutely, man. We had. Are you familiar with Marty Stewart? Uh, he's a big bluegrass guy. Uh, pull him up, please. And he had he had a uh, he had a couple of hits in just a regular country format in the '90s, but he's a really famous roots like bluegrass guy and. Uh, he, there he is. He is from Philadelphia, Mississippi. Oh, and so yeah. when I was a kid, he was the shit. And so exactly what you're saying, like, I always had that in my mind of like, well, somebody from Philly went and did it, you know, and he really made it. I mean, he's very, very respected in the country. He's really big in the Opry and like all that, you know, and I've uh, certainly heard his name before. So it was inspiring, man. That was like, uh, I knew it's like exactly what you said. Like it can be done. And that gave me the courage to move up here and give it a shot. Well, there's a part of your brain that you don't even know that's working that it's like, okay, 
that's in my head that that's possible. Yeah. And until that little thing, until that little coin gets put in your bank, yeah, your brain doesn't really have that as a as 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 part of its account. Yeah, you're not like hyper focused on that. It's just your subconscious. No, it's just yeah, you're subconscious. Totally. Like oh, this can happen, and you're subconscious that you know it just starts to be part of the uh, your assets. You know, in the background, you're like oh, then eventually it can happen. My favorite comedian, one of the reasons I believe that I got into comedy and storytelling myself, um, my best friend Scott, he's a, uh, his dad is from Jackson. His family's from Jackson. Mississippi? Yeah. Cool. And I would go up there and he would play Jerry Clower for me. Oh, come on, dude. Speaking my language, dude. Bro, he would play Jerry Clower. Knock him out, John, dude. Knock him out, John. Come and on. And he'd be like from Yazoo City, Mississippi. That's it. And, and I was like, oh my God, like this guy, like he's a, it just, it's amazing what he's doing and like that, that this is a possible thing. And I think hearing that to this day has had a big effect on the fact that, um, that I got into storytelling and that I like it or that I believed maybe that I could do it. Um, do you think like, was he kind of the first guy that really based his comedy around Southern ideals and stuff? I think he was a really, well, he sounded very Southern, right? But I think he was probably just a good storyteller. And he had a lot of that, like, um, the lead betters, you know, like right. he named people in his neighborhood yeah. and characters. So when you were listening to him, you start, he had this world was being built. Right. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so I think I, I've, that was fascinating to me. Cause well, I was then, curious because you talk a lot about people from your hometown and stuff. Oh, yeah. If that was an influence or whatever. Yeah, no, I think it probably had a lot to do with it. That's you know? awesome. But it was funny because, yeah, my best friend's dad, he said, yeah, you you got to listen to this guy. You'll love him. And he put him on. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't believe it was a thing, you know. Yeah. And he was, and then man, that's awesome, dude. I haven't really heard Jerry Clower in a long time. That I remember my childhood then playing him too. Everybody knew his bits, right? Oh yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, and you got and there's there's video you see him performing. He always wore this kind of like loud red outfit. Right, he was a big dude too. Big right, dude, yeah. yeah. And he was a he had a cocaine problem for a while and he ended up being a pastor i think towards the end of his oh, years. i didn't know that his wife still lives in mississippi but he passed not like that long ago right 10 15 years ago yeah. something like that yeah i'm not sure when he passed i would say 10 yeah it sounded like about 10 or 15 years ago yeah um but one day i was getting out of my car at the mall and this guy comes running up and he goes hey man uh i've heard you say that my grandfather is your favorite comedian and it was his grandson N here jonathan clower yeah here here. No yeah. way, dude. Did he look like him? That's pretty cool. Was he a big dude? I mean, he was young, so it's hard to be like, I didn't want to fucking, you know. Dude, that's really put cool, mate, though. You know, he lives put in like Nashville. A, put him in old clothes and see how he looked, yeah. you know. He didn't have like the old, like, puffed up fucking <laughs> yeah, it hair. Been, it would have been crazy <laughs> if he just had old ass hair. <laughs> he was born like that. Um, so how'd you get over to, so at that point, so you're starting to write, you're in school. Um, how do you get over to Mississippi State? That's where you went, right? No, I oh, didn't, didn't, dude. Go. I moved to Nat, dude. This is my biggest. And I understand, like, if I didn't move up here when I did, like, my life would be completely different. But that's, like, my biggest life regret is that both my parents went to state. We we're a Mississippi State family, but I moved to Nashville when I was 19. I went to one semester at a junior college called East Central Community College in Decatur, Mississippi. But, uh, no, I didn't go to state. I actually went to uh, Middle Tennessee down here in Murfreesboro. And you got your degree from there eventually? Yeah, I did, yeah. Oh, wow. Commercial songwriting. Dang, really? Yeah. 
So you just went and took a class on it. Yeah, I mean, it's like a poor man's Belmont. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like all the kids, all the belt, the kids that didn't get into Belmont, which is like you know the big music. I mean, it literally sits at the end of Music Row down here. Um, but yeah, I mean, and the songwriting class was like whatever. And I've said this before and I feel kind of uncomfortable because I know there's people watching it probably that go to MTSU that are, but like when I was there, it was like, there was no filter. So it was like a bunch of people that just weren't very good. And so like, it was like, okay, today we're going to learn about writing a verse and it's, there's got to be structure and each line has to rhyme. It's just stuff that you know, like most people knew, but there were a couple of kids in there that like got it. You know what I mean? Like you were, you like, you had to play a song you wrote every week and they'd critique mm. it and talk about it and this and that That's and the huge. other. Yeah. And, and there was a, some people in there were horrible. And, but there were some kids in there that were really good, but you could tell like that was what I took away was like the people that had it, had it, but you can't like learn it. Like you can't, in my opinion, like, I don't know if you could like say, man, I owe all of my songwriting success to the songwriting class at MTSU. Cause it's like songwriters, it's like any other form of writing. It's like, everybody has that weird internal voice and that's how they write and stuff. And I feel like people are just born with that. Yeah. I think you can hone things Yeah, and you can like fine tune stuff. them. You can whittle them. Right. You know, you could put a little bit of, you know, you could put something in a cross, you know, you could put a icing on something, Yeah, but you got to have something. You got to have the, the natural kind of yeah. thing, I think. But I learned a lot about the industry there, like record deals and publishing. I mean, I, I learned a ton about, all that stuff and like even recording and studio stuff. Like I, I got all of that, all of that stuff from MTSU. Yeah. And then the first time you hear those things in business, it's not the first time you've ever heard them, you know? So no. I, it, it's interesting how, like some people know I took a comedy class, right? So I went yeah. to, I was in, uh, I was out in Los Angeles, you know, and everybody was just, you know, it was when you first get out there, that's a lot of like kind of per like every, People like they'll have agents and managers will sign you, but just because they're damn pedophiles or something, you know, yeah. it's like they'll try to get you out to dinner and then they give you a ride home and they're squeezing on your leg or something, you know, <laughs> yeah, asking if you got any leftovers on you yeah, or something. Yeah, You're yeah, like, what yeah, are you, yeah. you know, what are just you just some talk? slimy shit? <laughs> yeah, what are you even talking about? You know, I don't have any leftovers, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's just a lot of pervs out there, but um. Eventually, I found, you know, I said no to all that, and then I got into a comedy class, yeah. and the best thing about it was, I thought I was, probably in my head, I thought I was better than the class, maybe in a weird way, or I didn't, but it made you, at the end of the class, you had to get on stage. Huh. After six, you know, and then I realized as the class went on, some people were better joke writers and they were better like organ to keeping their stuff. Or I just came in with a little bit of an attitude, I think. But at the end, you got on stage. So how long was it? Bit how long do you have to go for? It was six weeks, and it was but, probably but the actual performance. Oh, three minutes. Okay, damn. So they didn't give you. You had to like. You had to give it everything you got then. Oh, yeah, dude. And it was like, and the first week, hmm. like at the end, we're going to do a three-minute performance. You're like, I got that. And then like the day of, I mean, you're, you know, you're losing it. Yeah. You know, people are just damn, you know, just losing it, jumping off of really small buildings, not hurting <laughs> themselves, but just, just you try, know, yeah. just practicing in right. case they can't handle it. Exactly. But um, <laughs> it got, yeah. But then we got on stage and that was the thing. That was the breaker. It was like for you guys having to have a song at the end of the week. It's like, yeah, that's the thing where it's like, okay, because if I don't get on stage, then I don't know if I ever get on stage. Yeah, it's like, really. can you do it? Right. Can you actually do it? Right. Yeah. And once you get that first, can you do it? Once you get that first, like, open mic or I'm going to write a song and play it in front of other people. Right. Once you get through that first time, 
everything changes. Yeah. Because then you have a real clear idea on if you're capable of it or what part of it you're capable of the most. Yeah. And that's all contingent on your audience too, right? In a way, because you don't know if you killed it or if you did a good job unless somebody tells you people that you know you can trust. That's a good point. But I think you get a feeling as to, okay, maybe I loved writing it. Maybe I didn't Uh, love being up there. Maybe, I mean, you just get more information. Yeah. You know, it's crazy that the, the, how much, how little information you have before that first step, almost with anything. Yeah. That's really true, man. You know? Yeah, that's very true. Especially for getting on any type of stage. It's like, you just don't, you know, yes, it's going to be. thrown to the wolves in that moment. Right. Yeah. But it, but right after that, you're like, all right, you know, yeah, and then you get into like immediately. I I feel that like you can immediately be like your brain starts ticking on like what you could have done better and like right. how to make it better. But you right. don't know that until you do it, right? Yeah, and it's so crazy the difference between I didn't do it yet to I just did it. Yeah, I mean, you'll come off be like, ne- and suddenly you'll be like, next time I'm gonna do it this way, and you're like, what am I saying? Next time that means I want to do it again. Yeah. It's like just the little information that you get. From taking that first step. Dude, and that's such a cool snowball effect too because it just it gets better and better and like you're constantly critiquing yourself and telling yourself next time, which is manifesting that you're going to, it's going to get bigger and better and all that. Yes, yeah, true. Yeah. It's interesting. That is, man. Um, When you write a song like, so you guys write, you and Laney wrote Wait in the Truck. No, so I, so she, she did not, she did not uh, write did it. not write it okay yes so you write the song with other writers right okay yep um just it's like going to work and you just you know go in a room and throw out your ideas and sit around and write a song now say you walk in a room right and you see the other writers in there is there sometimes you're like all right i'm gonna put a certain ideas and sometimes i'm keeping some in totally Ooh. yeah oh dude like if you're this is like if you have a like ball and ass badass idea like, I'll sit on that until I know I'm in a room. Because if you throw it out, especially in Nashville, like L.A., it can be a little greasier where, like, people will take back ideas. But you just don't do that really in Nashville. And, like, like uh, it's not as dog-eat-dog. Let's just put it that way mm-hmm. as it is in L.A. And But, like, I'll wait until I'm with some of my buddies or people that will completely grasp a cool idea so you know you're going to nail it. Because I've made the mistake of throwing out a really good title with some people that could that just couldn't latch onto it as well as maybe other people could, and you just kind of ruin the idea, mm. and then you can't really write it again, or you're an asshole, <laughs> right? Or because then the other people are attached idea. to it and that right. sort of thing. And then you get then the, then that's when like you'll you know then if you did write it ten years later, then you got to add these people because <sighs> they were there when you know, and they're like, well, I said that line and you used that in this song too. But yeah, there's definitely times like waiting. The truck's a perfect example. So Hunter Phelps is like one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that with him and Jordan Schmidt, who's also one of my best friends. You know, I'm pointing that way because Jordan lives right down the road. Okay. Um, and Hunter and I kind of came up with that idea together. And we knew Jordan was a, a really incredible writer and that that was the time to bring that idea out and write it with somebody. Mm. Definitely. That's wild, man. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's interesting because I guess in the beginning you might go in and just put all your eggs out there. And the other two people, one of them shows up hungover, one of them, you oh, know, yeah. is pre, you know, not pre, it could be. They just found out they're pregnant. Right. So the just, day yeah. is fucking ruined. Yeah. Their day is wrecked. Yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, and then you're like, damn, man, you just don't get it to fruition. Yeah. And it, dude, it, it breaks my heart when I have a great idea and it, you kind of ruin it. Cause then you're just like, fuck <laughs> like that, 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 I mean, really if, to get into the technical or the 
not to be vain or not vain, but materialistic, but you're like, I just missed out on like $200,000 mm. because I had a hit idea and I just ruined it on, on these people. Damn. It happens, dude. And you just kind of beat yourself up about it and like this and that. Some people even go home and completely rewrite the idea and make it better and be like, send it back to the people you wrote it with. And you're like, I like this. You guys can be on the song, but I re completely rewrote the song or whatever. Does that happen sometimes where somebody yeah. will write it to other people were in the room and they get a part of the credit and that's that? Yeah, the the rule in Nashville is drop a word or say a word, take a third. You know, like it doesn't matter if you're having a bad day. And and that there's like it always evens itself out because like you go into a room with two other people and one of the guys sits over there and doesn't say a word. Oh, He's yeah. still on the song. He still has a third of the song. Like freaking Boo Wordly over there. Yeah, or right. Boo Radley. Yeah, like uh, sitting over there like fucking. Yeah, just, I don't, just not saying a damn word, just staring oh, at his phone yeah. or something. But then there's times where you might not be on your A game and somebody else, two of the other guys or guys or girls are killing it. And, yeah. You know, you, it's just like a Nashville rule. I know in LA, like they have lawyers, they have people like sitting in on rights, like paying attention to who said what. And then they like get in and they try to like negotiate who contributed the most. And that's like the, the oh. percentage they get. That hasn't made it here yet. I hope it doesn't, man. This sounds stressful. Oh, it ruins everything. LA will ruin anything. You Are you know. still out there? Do you still have a, you still live out there at all? Yeah, I probably spent about th almost three. I would say almost four months, maybe. All right, out of the year out there because I have to practice out there. I can't really practice comedy in Nashville. Yeah, so Zanies is that the only spot here? Yeah, that's kind of surprising. I mean, it's good for them, I guess, because they have like a they. If I mean, it's it's like that until you until you you're bigger than that, right? And then you do like the Ryman or something, right? Yeah. So That's we could do wild. other places. Yeah. It's like, but if I want to practice, you know, like in LA, you can, I can do three spots a night. Is that like comedy store and yeah, stuff like improv, that? Improv, comedy store. Yeah. There's a place called the Bourbon Room that's really popping. Um, West Side Comedy. There's, a, I mean, you could do five in a night if you wanted to, but at a certain point, you're just driving around like perform. You're not really learning anything, you know? You, you just like show up and, and see the guy that runs the thing and you're like, y'all got a spot for me or do you schedule it in advance? No, on Mondays, you usually put in your avails. Ah. So that, the, I mean, at a, you can, some places you could stop in. And yeah. they'll let you get up if you have a certain level of, I guess, right. success. Notoriety, or notoriety, or notoriety yeah. probably is yeah. a better term. But I don't know. That always feels uncomfortable to me. Like, I always feel hate. like you're crashing a party? Yeah, a little bit. And it feels like it's not your, you know, somebody else drove up there. Yeah. They might have a couple children. They might be expecting to get home. I don't want to wreck that guy's. Yeah. Or, you know, I don't want to have him get home 30 minutes later. Yeah, that's, you know, that's um, nice. That's like just out of respect, right? It's like showing up to somebody's show and then. Somebody pointing you out, and then you get up there and play for an hour and steal the show or something, right? Yeah. Like if you want to do one, so you know, but 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 yeah, I think yeah. So that kind of thing is a little bit uncomfortable, kind of. Uh, so I would rather I like to, and I like to know in advance when I'm gonna have to go go to work. Yeah, you know, because now it's it is more like going to work. Um, is it interesting? Does that start to feel like that for you? Like in the beginning, that it was a lot more of like this is fun, and it's still fun. Yeah, but one. It, once it becomes your work, it becomes your work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, man, I would almost argue and say that the the more into it I get, like the 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 more the years have gone by, the the more fun it feels and the less. Because when you're, if you just start out, man, and you're like, you've got a new brand new single, you're doing like radio tour, and I mean, you are grinding so hard, and you're playing point. shitty shows. For people that don't, you're either opening for somebody and the crowd is not there for you, so they have no fucking idea who you are. Oh. So, but then the more you're established, I feel like I mean it. It 
still feels like work. It's just a crazy job, but it's it's. I think it's more fun the more like you know success you have, which I guess that that makes you know that's obvious. But it, no, it's not obvious, really. I don't think. I think it's interesting because it's like, yeah, I don't know if uh, I guess there's different ways to look at it or different ways that it kind of happened in the way you perceived it. Yeah. Because I think some people would say that it was more fun in those other moments. Yeah. And I guess in some ways it is more, it's like, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's true. Like there's so much left to wonder like, What's going to come of that, you mean? Right, or what the other side of the coin can look like a little yeah. bit. So I guess maybe fun isn't the overall word that we're kind of looking at. It's like it's all fun, but some of it's... Thrilling, more thrilling in a way? or Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm just trying to figure it out, and today's one of those days where I'm not figuring it out that good, <laughs> yeah. you know? But I that's okay, you. man. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, there's things that are more... Well, there's more intrigue, I feel like, but I don't know, because then you get different opportunities. You're like, oh God, this is what this feels like. You know, it's like. Yeah, I think it's all, it kind of comes in like, not waves, but even levels, right? Like. That's a good word. You know, because then you have a, you have like a, a big record and then, then you're kind of like new to a newer scene of more of a higher level, you know, and, and then there's more wonder and all that. And then like. You blow up again or have another big moment. And I don't know. I feel like it could be kind of tiered, but it's all relative. It's all the same situation, but just at different levels of success, maybe. I think that's a good way to say it. I remember uh, going to you guys' show at the in Nashville. Bridgestone. At, the, at Bridgestone. Yeah. And I remember seeing the uh, arrows on the flutter taped on the floor where the where, where the artists walk, go and yeah. go up and like, you know, cause it's dark back there. Yeah, they keep yeah, everything yeah. really dark. And I remember thinking, Oh man, how cool, you know, hmm. I've always wanted to be like, see what the rock star sees, you know, like and like stage and all that kind of yeah, stuff. It was yeah. Just like, and I have my own backstage at shows and there it's different, you know, it's right. just with comedy, it's a lot different. It's really subdued. It's just, you're sitting back there. Yeah. And I was going to say, there's probably not, it's not all hustle and bustle. Cause there's not, it's like the production's not like a, country like or any like a concert oh there's much. nobody to damn bum a vape off of you yeah want. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to it's like it. you and your you have a tour manager yeah you got a tour manager and a couple openers. other comedians yeah yeah and it's that's like, wild it's like quiet and more chill it's dead quiet yeah that's kind of crazy yeah and no, it's so so it's totally different to be back there and you guys environment is like people walking around oh yeah especially like, like you call it like a nashville show it's like fucking chaos back yeah. there it's just but in the best way like there's it's just exciting and there's people everywhere and like other country stars and shit walking around. And, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. That's when Ronnie Dunn came out and played. Yes, that's right. God, he can. I didn't realize he could oh, sing. Oh, dude, he's a legend. He's I mean, I knew a, he could sing, but I just didn't know it was like that. Yeah. Uh, dude, he's a people. A lot of people say that he's like the his the most the most or one of the most iconic voices yeah. in country. He's a damn wind instrument, dude. dude he's just he a is. damn, my God. It's fucking man flu. You want to hang him outside of you on your grandmother's porch yeah, out there, just let you know? the wind blow through him. <laughs> yeah, just let the damn Hell birds yeah. eat off of him. <laughs> Could you imagine, dude, a fucking Ronnie Dunn wind chime, dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just every time it was just, ooh, like every time. That's it, a great idea. That'd be fucking awesome. If we could make it so that when the wind went through it, it sounded just like him. Yeah, and then have three notes in harmony, you know, like wind chimes do. Yeah. It's a fucking, that's a million dollar that's idea. That's a great dude. idea, Ronnie. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to keep it. I'm trying to stay wigged up, baby. Keep that hair going and keep it tight.
That's what Keeps helps me do. That's right. Keeps offers a simple, affordable, and stress-free way to keep your hair. They do it via expert-recommended hair loss treatments, personalized treatment plans that are recommended by a licensed medical provider and delivered straight to your door. That's the thing, man. You're, I mean, it's your own hair. It's your own dang it's that just that beauty wig just knocking at your door like a damn just like a damn coonskin cat, baby. Come on. They have 24-7 care and support, and they're low cost. The treatment plans are affordable, typically half the cost of pharmacy prices. Remember, prevention is key with hair loss, and treatments can take four to six months to see results so you want to act fast. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, Go to K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Theo to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Theo to get your first month free. K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Theo. Be smart. Don't start. Kick the habit. Put it out before it puts you out. All phrases that we've heard a hundred times. Yet we continue to have bad habits. Our new sponsor, Fume, is on a mission to accelerate humanity's breakup from the bad habits that consume far too many of us. Fume is a natural diffusive device that uses plants and behavioral science to help you trade out your negative habit for a positive one. Fume is not a vape. It's a non-electric device designed to transform your negative habits. Instead of pods filled with potentially harmful chemicals like a vape, Fume uses cores infused with plants like peppermint and cinnamon for delicious natural flavors. I got to say, Fume is nice. It's nice to go to something when you need something. When you have that moment where you're like, I need something, it's nice to go to something that's not going to hurt you. The easiest way to stop a bad habit is to switch to a positive one. Head to try Fume. T-R-Y-F-U-M dot com and use code Theo to save 10% off when you get the Journey Pack today. The Journey Pack comes with three unique flavors and the new version 2 Fume to help kickstart your positive habits. That's try F-U-M and use code Theo to save an additional 10% off on your order today. Yeah, that was fun, man. And who, who did I, I was there with? Oh, your parents were there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My mom is actually, they're having some work done. They live here at the house. And so she, uh, I was walking out the door. She was like, where are you going? And I told her I was coming over here. And she was like, oh, I love him. Because I forgot y'all had met there. Y'all yeah. met, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got to meet your folks there. And um, and who else? Yeah, like, uh, oh, Baker Mayfield was there. Yeah, he was there. And like, yeah, that was so random, dude. It was random. It Jason was a- Jason Worth, uh, uh, um, uh, I think it's Jason Worth, baseball player. There was a bunch of like athletes there. It was yeah, it, was it was a bizarre group. group of people, man. It was an interesting group. That was fun though. Ernest was on. Yep. Yeah, that was great, man. Was that there was three nights. One of them I came the first night. Thursday night. See, yep. thir- to me, I thought Thursday and Friday were the best. It was Thursday night St. Patty's or was that Friday? I can't remember. One of them was St. Patty's Day and I just remember how drunk the whole crowd was. It was like I could see it from all the way at the top, like people were falling over and stuff. Oh, that might have been sad. I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't think when I left, I remember seeing people doing St. Patty's stuff. It might have been. It might have been. Might have been Saturday. Yeah. 
Um, is there a night that you guys like to, is there a night when you feel like the shows are better or a day? Is there a show that, give me that day and time okay. that a country per show or that, that a performance, a musical performance is the best. Friday nights, usually in the summer. Because Thursday night, a lot of people have to go to work. Mm -hmm. So they're there and they'll stay up late, but they're not going to, they're not going to party. And then Saturday night, a lot of people have to go to church, especially in a country crowd. Mm -hmm. Friday night is like, I just got off of work and I don't have shit to do tomorrow. That's like, that's the one every time. Even if you do, you can feel it, especially when you, if you do three nights at one venue, uh -huh. you you can see the difference between Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's pretty crazy. And the Saturday crowd's like more tired and hungover. You know what I mean? They're all good, but like Friday night, nothing ever beats Friday night. It's the best. Damn. Yeah. Because for comedy, it's different. Friday night is the toughest night. Really? Why do you think so? I think it's because people have been working. They get off, and I don't think they want to be kind of still in a space where they have to sit and kind of listen. It's Pay just, attention? Yes. I think their attention is a little burnout. They either want to fucking rip their dick off, you know, or not their, <laughs> somebody's dick or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to rip a tit off or whatever and get a damn Michelob in them. Or they want to, um, or they want to uh, chill out. Yeah. But I don't think they want that middle ground. Well, I wonder why that's... But Different. it's notoriously the worst. Steve Martin quit performing, touring. On Friday nights? Because, at, totally. I think, but, because if you go out and you're just waiting Thursday to Saturday, I think it's just kind of a low, but he said he quit performing because Friday night. Really? Yeah. It's that big of, it's that big of a difference. Mm -hmm. I wonder why, I mean, I guess, I don't know, it's crazy, because I guess you don't have to pay attention at a concert. This is super artsy for i guess you feel music more than like you actually pay attention to yeah. it you know so maybe that's a little bit more of a release than feeling like having to sit and focus on something maybe i don't yeah. know yeah i don't know it's interesting that is interesting that's so, interesting. sometimes it stands up i think in the in the end it gets it gets in your head that friday's gonna be you know might not be but then i don't know half the time i feel like i can't really tell the difference so hmm. dude what other if you take louisiana out of the equation what's your favorite city to play in oh dang dude Anywhere in Texas is good. Really? Texas is fucking good, dude. But then Portland, <laughs> some of my biggest crowds are like Portland, um, Australia. Oh, dude, I'm going in like a month. I've never yeah. been. Oh, bro. I'm so excited. It's like, you know, they started it. It was all criminals, dude. Yeah. They, they sent them down there. That's right. From, from like the UK area, right? So it's awesome. Yeah. Dude, you know that Georgia, our Georgia, uh, was the same thing? Really? It was like Australia for Americans, and they would send, uh, and you can fact check me but because I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was a place where if you went bankrupt or committed a crime, they would send you down to Georgia because Georgia is one of the, I think, one of the 13 colonies. It's one of the original. If not, it's like it was very early, and they would send it down there to uh, send you down there to like restart down there. From jail to Georgia. Let's see that. Hey, I think you had it there, bub. Zoom in on that if you don't mind, please. 18th century Georgia was really just King George's penal colony, right? Can you zoom in a little bit more? Um, as conceived by its founder, James Oglethorpe, and his trustees in London, Georgia was expressly built on the theory of work release. Um, and it's... They convinced King George, the overcrowding in prisons. Uh, yeah. It's fair to say that scores of recently released 
people of the King's House of Corrections were among the colonists. Huh? There you go. Damn. Isn't that crazy? Well, the here's well, the, dude, hold on then. This might go for the whole STC because <laughs> Louisiana, they said it if um it was like criminals and prostitutes from France. So they're all really like, yeah. they settled like in New Orleans. No, in France, they're like, if you want to marry a prostitute, we'll give you oh shit land in Louisiana. I just tweeted something about it. Or, or no, I saw. I just saw something. The, other day. the original colony of Georgia, for example, was founded by James Oglethorpe, who originally intended to use prisoners taken largely from debtors' prisons, creating a debtors' colony where the prisoners could learn trades and work off their debts. Wow, dude, isn't that crazy? So you had people over there that were just work doing a trade to work off a debt that was in England. That's crazy. Yeah, isn't that wild? But then the craziest part had to be after the American Revolution, after we won the beat England in the, I guess, right. in the war, that yeah. those people were, always, were just like, oh, I don't owe anybody anything. Yeah. So then they were just free. <laughs> That's crazy. They were just there. Huh. That seems like Georgia a little. Yeah. I think it has a little <laughs> yeah. that vibe, dude. Um, what is something, I was thinking about this, what is something that, uh, had you met Lainey before you guys got together to make that song? Oh yeah, I, I uh, so that tour I was talking about that Morgan brought me on the that tour. I said eight hundred to two thousand people. Lainey was first of three, uh, just acoustic. So she was the mm. acoustic uh, opener, and then I was second, and then Morgan was third. And so I met her then, and oh, we did, we did that was like thirty nine shows or something. So we she was, and that's I really got to know her then. She was on the first half of that tour. And got to really know her then. Dude, yeah. she's, I love, she's like a sister to me, dude. She is salt of the earth. Yeah. Oh, she seems really, really, I mean, she's interesting, beautiful, exciting. Just authentic, man. She's oh. a real deal. Yeah, she just, yeah, she sounds like, I mean, you just want to climb down her throat and just damn, just be in, just ready, you know. Just live in it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Just get a damn... You know, get your little oven or something in there and just stay in there. Yeah. Make treats. Couple chairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's like she just, she sounds like a home. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Wow. Um, she writes songs. And she sounds, yeah, she just sounds really, this is just so powerful. I, I really enjoy getting to spend time with her. I was thinking, what is something that people wait in the truck for? Mm. Their sonic order. Okay. Definitely Sonic. Uh, yeah. They're like their drug dealer to show up, maybe. Okay, drugs and Sonic. Yeah. Um. Oh, their wife. Anywhere their wife. Oh is. yeah, especially if you're like, if you're like, the kind that's like, I'm gonna go wait in the truck. So hurry up, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and they're honking kind of deal. Which was every dad. I feel like. Oh yeah. When we were growing, like, and it even like, I mean, you're younger than me, but when we were growing up, it was like every dad was like, I'm gonna wait. Yeah. I'm going to be out of here. I heard a story about George Jones that he like got tired of waiting on um his current the wife that he died with. I can't remember her name. Uh I should know that. But that one time he he wouldn't wait on her so he went and sat in the car and laid on the horn and she came out in her underwear and got in the car and he was so fixated on going wherever they were going that he drove all the way down the road and didn't realize and she was she was pulling one on him because she was like well fuck you then well i'll go wherever we're going i'm going in my underwear if you can't wait and he, and he went like five miles down the road <laughs> until he realized that she was in her underwear and turned around and came back <laughs> yeah that was always a thing i'm gonna wait in the truck and you would just see dads out there just shaking their head what about like you're like a little brother when your big brother's like at baseball practice you know like that type of deal Oh yeah, I'm gonna sit. You would see the brothers always just lean yeah. on the open on the open window. Yep, and then somebody would come up and just like, 
bang on the window yeah. and scare the shit out of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else do people wait for? Yeah, drugs for sure. Dude, I, I uh, waiting for drugs was always scary. It was always like, dude, always, always. I, you I always I, had to wait. What was the fucking deal? Why don't drug? Yeah, drug dealers are not punctual. No, they're not, dude. Even like weed before weed was legal, <laughs> like I would have panic attacks, dude. Like he'd be like, show up here at three, and I'd yeah. be like, all right, cool. And then and then like, dude, it would be like three oh five, and I'm like, but you're like, I don't want to piss my drug dealer. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to piss my guy <laughs> off. You like where the fuck are you at? Did you get arrested? Like, are they are, are like in my mind? It was like okay, the cops got him, and they're like, all right, go do the drug deal so we can bust the guy. Like I had I, that's oh, where my course. brain went, you know. Dude, I remember this guy. I told us one time he's like, yeah, meet me at this time. So we get there. It's like a huge in the middle of this Kmart parking lot, right? <laughs> so we're like, well, fucking pick a corner. So like, yeah, why dude. the go behind it? Any it was just the worst idea, <laughs> right? So we so we we're like, I remember we drove around like. Just around the middle for a while. Like, I guess we, we didn't want to go in. It was almost like if we went into the middle, we were in trouble. But it was like, we were just scoping you thought it thought it'd out. be less suspicious yeah, yeah. to just make like a bunch of laps around the parking lot. <laughs> oh, dude, the worst. Dude, I remember one time we got some weed to sell it, right? And it was like, we were so excited, right? We get this weed. And the second we got it, we're like, oh, we're going to fucking jail, dude. Right? <laughs> So we're so scared. We're in the driveway. We finally ended up just giving the shit away to a guy down the street, dude, and just ended up working the uh, the payment <laughs> off to the guy. No, we just seriously? too freaked out. Yeah, damn, dude, too noited I, out. That, dude. I would have done some shit like that too, though. Too fucking noited out, dude. How much was it? Mm. Was it like a quap or was it like was it like teenager? A lot of like an ounce or something? No, no, no. I would say it was probably yeah, maybe a QP. I think. Yeah, it damn. Was good. <laughs> Damn, dude, gave it away. That was a good day for the guy you gave it to, though. Yep. And maybe he saw that in us. Maybe he said, oh, these fear babies over here, I'm going to fucking get that. Yeah, he might have. Was it a stranger or somebody you knew? Mm-mm, somebody we knew. Okay. That was fun, though. Um. All right, so you get in a tune, you get out here. Yeah. How do you get that first hit, you think? Dude, it's, I've, it's a crazy story. I got my first publishing deal. And what is a publishing deal for people that don't know? So it's so if you're just a songwriter in Nashville, you sign. There's ton. If you drive up and down Music Road, there's like fifty or probably more publishing companies, and mm-hmm. they sign songwriters. And the the point is, they pay songwriters a salary mm-hmm. to write for that company, and they also they have people that work for the company that schedule the rights for the songwriter. They pitch the songs to artists that the songwriters turn in, you know, that type of thing. Oh, so you get a deal with a publishing house or a publishing company company. Yeah. And then you're kind of like one of their batters in their box. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. And, and like, you know, a lot of times I've seen like, you know, fucking Joe blow. Nobody signs with a pub deal and then he blows up. Signs with a publishing company, and then he blows up and has a bunch of hits as a writer. Well, then suddenly that publishing company is on the map because people are going to want to sign there so they can write with this dude. You know what I mean? And that's how people, that's how Big Loud, you know, Big Loud started as a publishing company. Mm. Craig Wiseman signed like four writers, and it was like Rodney Clawson, Sarah Buxton, Chris Tompkins, uh, and a few others, and they all blew the fuck up, and they and so that just boomed big loud, and then the, and with along with Craig, who also was a big hit writer, and so then they were able to really 
have a legit publishing company and sign a bunch of writers because people wanted to be in that camp because they were the guys writing all the hits. Okay, so then how does a big loud get guys like Morgan and you and Ernest? And so once they, you know, so they're doing well, people know their name, right? As just as a publishing company, and so then Craig Wiseman and, and uh, I think at that point Seth England and them decided to start a record label, uh, uh, and so that's you know when they started Big Loud Records, and then they said, well, let's go find an artist to try to develop. And then they went and found Chris Lane, and they had a hit on Chris Lane. And FGL was in that because because they signed FGL to a publishing company, but they also managed them, but but their, their record label was a big machine. But they had Chris Lane, and then, you know, they broke Chris Lane, and then they went and they got um, – I don't even know who like the next would have been, but anyway, then they found, they found Morgan and they just like catch word. Like Morgan was on the voice mm -hmm. and then he had, you know, word had gotten out that he had been coming into town and doing stuff. And so they were like, let's, let's have a meeting with this Morgan Wallen kid. And they reach out to Morgan and Morgan plays him a couple songs. They're like, we like your voice. Seem like, you know, we could work well with you. They signed into a record Dang deal. And, you know, it's just, it's constantly growing and, that whole deal. And then guys like you at that point are friends already with Morgan. You see that he's there and that excites you guys. Too, yeah. Or? Yeah. I mean, like I met Morgan. That's part of it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and like, uh, and especially like, uh, Florida Georgia line and those guys, like they were all in that big loud camp. And so that draws people into that. And, but, uh, I met Morgan when the way I talk was like at, I think it died at like number 30, which is crazy to think about. Cause it's such a still like a big hit for him, but it, it died at like number 30 at radio and I wrote with him around that time and uh, for the first time. And I was just a big fan of that song and his voice. And I was just like, this kid's really good. And so he came over to the house, but I lived in an apartment over here and, and we wrote and hit it instantly hit it off. And the, you know, rest is history. Damn. But with my, I, so my publisher to this day, his name is Dennis McCoskey. And he grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but his mom oh, really? was from Philadelphia, Mississippi. And his mom is my grandfather's aunt. So, and I knew, and so Dennis in the eighties lived in LA. He's my grandfather's aunt. So, so Dennis and my grandfather are first cousins. They're, okay. They shared mom's sisters. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. And when Dennis, Dennis in the eighties was a, a big hit songwriter in LA and his claim to fame He's done a, a bunch of other amazing things, but his biggest claim to fame is he wrote Maniac I'm in the maniac. 80s. Exactly. Yeah. And so growing up, I knew I had this cool cousin that was like a songwriter, but I didn't know, like, I knew he lived in Nashville at this point, but I didn't know. And he's an older guy. He's like late 60s, maybe early 70s. And um, so I was in college and I was writing songs videoing them on my webcam dude and putting them on like youtube and shit oh, and damn, then sharing them on my face. dude yeah right <laughs> i know damn. right uh and he wrote on my facebook wall and my facebook wall dude and was like i like you seem like you're doing good like come by the house oh, what sometime. a bigger pervert <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> dude that was that's like back then though this was shit this was like but if 13. a man writes on your facebook wall you seem like you're doing good come by the house sometime <laughs> to anybody that didn't know the situation i could see how that would be yeah, strange. Dude, yeah. Like... yeah. but i went but by anyway. his house and then he, he signed me and then i mean well wow. he it took like years but but it was a cool thing because like we're, it was a family thing but i right. didn't really know him and then he reached out and so we've now and now he and i are very close so but it felt like it was supposed to happen when some of those other pieces are kind of built into the right. background right it was written in the stars kind especially of when it's family stuff you yeah know, you kind of put those pieces together yeah um what about uh 
what about, so tell me a little bit more about that publishing house. So how does that work? So people get signed, writers get signed to a publishing house. Right. They start writing. Yeah. And then they're on salary. Yeah. But if one of them does well and creates a song, then they start to make money from the song. Yeah. But only these days, only if the song uh, gets played on the radio. Um, so you have what's called mechanical royalties. And that is royalties that are paid to the song if it sells copies. So like, for instance, like on Morgan's last record, the big record, that created a lot of mechanical royalties because it sold really well, right? So, but but when you sign your first publishing deal, most first publishing deals, called a baby deal, uh, you, you as a writer, you don't get control of your mechanical royalties that goes to the publisher and the publishing company. Oh wow. And it's just something that's been around for a long time. Uh. So so even if you had a song that blew up on TikTok or that sold or streamed like crazy on Apple Music or Spotify or whatever, um you wouldn't see any of that money. The only way that young songwriters really make money because most of their salaries are like if you sign a first publishing deal it's like 40 grand, that's that's really good. Like wow. you're doing really good. So it it really for a only, year for usually they're like four, four three years, or, three or four. Yeah. So 40 grand over three or four years. No, uh, sorry. Yes. It's 40 grand a year. Okay. For, the term is like three or four years. Got it. But you only make money if, if you have a hit on the radio. So like anything, especially for a young writer, top 20 and better is you'll make a life changing amount of money. Right. You know what I mean? Like, um, is that the one you were talking about earlier? Like you can make a couple hundred thousand dollars. A number one, you will. Wow. Depending on how many writers, because if, if it's split, you know, if it's a six way, you're going to make less, you're going to make half of what you'd make if it was a three way and that kind of thing. But, um, but, uh, yeah. So the radio pays out a lot of money and that's where, that's where songwriters get paid. And that's through PROs, which is paid. Wait, what's it, what does it stand for? Paid royalty organization. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. And, and they, they collect money from the radio stations and then they, in return, pay the writers for having hits on the radio. Mm. Ah, but it's tricky, man. It's hard to get a song on the radio. Like it's it's a it's so hard. It's I worked. Well, you know, one of my jobs that I had, I was a tour manager for uh, Josh Kelly. I don't know if I ever told you that or not. Really? Yeah, Georgia Clay. Uh, Just yeah. like that, Georgia Clay. Yeah. Was it that time, baby? Dude, you're amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Josh's man. I didn't know that you TM'd him. Yeah, dude. When was that? We went around the whole country, dude. We would go to all the radio stations, and I would go in in the morning and be like, da 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 da, Josh can leave. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And get the coffee and the donuts, and you know, get people fired up and yeah. stuff. And Josh would come in with his guitar. You paint a picture on the wall. Yeah, man, it was awesome. Whoa. This was I don't know. This is probably. Eight, 17 years ago maybe or something like that oh wow but we went around we went to i think every radio station i mean we went to a lot of the bigger radio stations we went to okay, probably she totally 30 know the radio tour game then so i didn't realize until you were saying that i kind of forgot about it but yeah yeah we would go in and you trying to grease not grease these people but you wanted to get them excited about an artist yeah of course you know yeah and you, they see so many of them that, that like what can you do you know like those, yeah, tomorrow, like, well, visits. tomorrow, you know, Jason Mraz is bringing crab legs. Yeah. Like, well, we're <laughs> exactly, dude. We're damn. Yeah, we dude. Fuck, man, dude, it, it's it's hard, man. You sit in a room and they're just they're looking at you like, yeah, what are you doing here? You know, 
I did not know that though. That's crazy. Yeah, Josh Kelly is one of the most talented guys out there, and yeah, I, do, I just feel I feel grateful I got to be just even a little bitty part of his career. That was fun, man. It was interesting, but that's where I learned about kind of, and that's when radio was still even more. It was a bigger deal. Yeah, twenty fifteen years ago. Yeah, now yeah, they've all, a lot of them have been kind of consolidated. Now. Yeah, I mean, streaming is just streaming is like is taking over a lot of that market for sure. Yeah. What was I thinking about? Uh, did I saw? Do you see that thing with the governor? The um Tennessee. Yeah. I don't. I'm not sure. It was like. The governor of Tennessee um, brought crab legs to a no, radio no, visit. No, sorry, no. no, this Tennessee governor appears to have dressed in. Oh, there. Remember, there. Did you see this thing? You're trying to make it so in Tennessee you couldn't. They don't want people performing. Get into the article, man, if you don't mind. Criminalizing drag performances in public. Yeah, Monday that he a recently passed bill criminalizing drag performances in public and in front of children. So they want to stop, I guess, like drag perform. They don't want performances that could influence, I guess, a child's sexuality, maybe. Mm. Or, um, but then this is the governor, right? And they found a picture of him in a powder puff. Game. Oh no way! And so that's what they're saying. Well, they say, look. Here you are, you dragging out. Oh boy! You know, so they found this a picture of him in high school. Man, but it looks like they're going to try to pass this law, is which this, is kind of wild, you know. Yeah, I mean, let the people just I, let people do what they want. You know? Well, I think it's like it almost seems like it's more of a parents thing. Like if you're taking your child to something, yeah. Where where would you? Where are you going to be that your child's going to see a drag show? Right, without the parent going, like a child, child. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Without the parent going. Yeah. Dude, I remember in, we went to like a prom or something, dance, and they had this restaurant in the French Quarter in New Orleans, and it was uh, it was all drag queens in there. Yeah. And dude, they kept getting, like, they were getting, I, I mean, all of us, I think, were underage probably, but we're in there with fake IDs, you know? And it's like, like a teenager? Yeah, like probably, yeah, fan, we were under 21 anyway, so it could have been, co I think it was high school. And all the like, it was like the male waiters or whatever. They kept getting people liquored up. And then they would take like this one dude, Ryan. I remember they kept taking him back like into the kitchen. And I'm like, damn, I don't know what's happening with Ryan, bro. Like they, and how then, long was he back? Would they do it like more than once? Oh yeah. And at first he was like, I don't want to go. And by the third time he's like, I'll be right back guys. Like you could tell they were like, kind of like picking off young birds who were kind of milling around. Damn. You know? Really? You think they had any cocaine back there or something? Oh God. I hope they did. <laughs> I wouldn't want to get molested if I didn't have something in me. Yeah. No kidding, <laughs> I don't dude. feel like anyway. Holy shit, I mean, I hope not. Anyway. Dude, I, uh, I fucking love New Orleans, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Key West is like my number one favorite place to go you know visit but new orleans is number two i fucking love it so much man dude nick swartzen do you know who that is yep he spent almost a million dollars during covid he stayed at a hotel in key west he went there oh really and it was like i'm just gonna stay i wonder which one it was have you ever been down there i have been one time but i don't remember it real well man what's it like it's it's like a like a beachier safer new orleans mm. it's very very similar Man, I went for my bachelor party. It was so fun, oh, dude. Dang. Oh my god, it was so fun. It's just, man, I don't even know, dude. And I the the island time thing is such a thing down there. Like nobody is worried about shit, and like, you know, 
it, it depends on what you're into, but there's like the food. It's it's just like New Orleans, man. The food there's these little hole in the walls that are like super authentic and oh, like I could badass. see that because you're in kind of like that. It's kind of got that Caribbean vibe, huh? Yeah, I mean, shit, you're you are 90 miles from Cuba. Oh wow! If they built a bridge, you could you could get there in like less than an hour and a half. Dang, I love it. But I, New Orleans, man, the food and there's something. There's no other city to me with the culture that New Orleans has. There's yeah. it's such a fine-tuned like distinct culture and and like uh, every city has its thing and like you know the northeast and boston is seafood and all that but there's just something so fucking dope about new orleans yeah yeah i guess you know i always i always noticed that growing up i went to like san francisco i thought that was a really exceptional city very unique right yeah and um I remember thinking Charleston was kind of cool. Charleston had yeah, a vibe yeah, yeah. of its own. Definitely. It was like kind of an old South, but still pretty neat. Chicago, New York City. And then I was like New Orleans. Because for a while, I was like New Orleans, man. But then I went around a lot of America, and I'm like, oh, wow, it's really yeah, unique. Yeah, because you, you were kind of like, kind of, a cut, like, uh, you took it for granted in, yeah. in a certain way. Yeah, you're used to it. Yeah. But then you go around, and you're like, dang, bro, New Orleans is something yeah. else. Dude. Do you like New York? I I do. I think there's some energy about it. I don't think I like some of the. I don't like the. Like the overtly liberal shit. A lot of it. Yeah. You know, if I'm real, you know, where it's like yeah. ridiculous. You know, where it's like they're uh, wearing masks to the end of time, like the same kind of stuff that happens in L.A. Yeah. You know. No, I'm um, not for that either. There's something about it that's cool, though, right? Like, oh yeah, there's something about it that there's it's, an energy that's like, right? No other city has that they could build this. That I remember the first time I got out of New York in a taxi, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, it looks like it's. I love every time. I think I can't remember if it's JFK or LaGuardia, but there's one where you can see like a really stretched out uh, view of Manhattan, and it's just like so. It's like breathtaking in this weird way. Like there's so many fucking buildings and shit. Yeah, it's crazy. I love it. Yeah, it blew my mind, man. Did you guys tour uh, internationally yet? No, we're doing. We're flying to Australia on like March sixteenth. Wow! First time. I'm so excited, man. We're, we're flying from uh, uh, San Francisco too, which is or, or Sac San Francisco. I can't remember, but uh, so it's that shorter flight. It's not like I've heard there's like a Dallas one and like a New York one, and that's like twenty hours. But, yeah, dude, I'm. So stoked! It's you, nice, though, dude. I like being up in the air. I like if you get yeah, if you get the good seat, if you get the bougie like the 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 pod or whatever. Oh, too. sometimes yeah. I think I got that one time. I don't know where I was going. Oh, you getting that bitch? You're like, let's stay up here. Oh yeah. You're like, yeah, why you're does everybody want to land? You start getting land. angry. Yeah, yeah. The second you get off, people aren't <laughs> serving you and shit anymore. Yeah. Dude, what's Australia like though? If you had to, if you had to compare it to anything or describe it's it, a lot of. Well, they don't have a lot of religion over there. Really? Yeah, and it's a lot of dangerous animals, dude. If somebody's oh, like, hey, dude. look at this animal. Yeah. You know, where I'm from, if somebody's like, look at this animal, it's usually some type of somebody trying to flash that wiener on you, yeah. you know? Like a sling blade situation? Yeah, it's like, hey, you want to come see this animal? And it's just a wiener, you yeah. know, with like little cat ears on or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some guy's like got little- In a parking you know, lot. Little mouse ears on his penis, you yeah. know? You're like, that, yeah. that has a damn, you know? Yeah. I'll pet it, but I ain't feeding it <laughs> cheese, you know what I'm saying, bro? Yeah, but dude. it's like over there, it's like, you know, God put nine of the most dangerous animals ever in New York. Can you look it up? No, in, in Australia. Australia. I know the box jellyfish, right? That's one. Oh, they're all bad. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's crazy because he, they put all the prisoners in Australia and then God put all the 
pretty much the most criminal animals in Australia. Yeah. It's kind of wild, right? Very wild, dude. Yep, you got box jellyfish called the sea wasp. Also, oh God, look at that thing. So I've heard the Taipan snake. It's like you you live like 15 minutes or some crazy shit. Yeah. Saltwater crocodile. Salties. That blue ringed octopus. I saw Damn. a TikTok of this kid that picked one up and didn't know it was an octopus. And then he just like casually let it back in the water. And they were like, damn, if that thing would have. What does an octopus do? Bite? What? I don't know. Probably just, I feel like just. How does it. Don't octopus have a beak or something? Don't they have a little like. That's a good question. Can you look at it? Yeah, go, go to that blue octopus and let's see what it says. And can you zoom in? Is. Do you mind? Just overall note. Dear God. They look absolutely okay. They look absolutely amazing in a fish tank, but don't touch these ball-sized creatures. <laughs> bite and are highly venomous. The sting is often fatal. The body shuts down, becomes increasingly paralyzed, and breathing is no longer possible. Oh, damn, dude! There's dude. no known. That's the scariest part. No known anti-venom. So if you're asking people for help, they can be like, "Oh, I can't help you," and they mean it. So does that mean that you die if you get bit by one? Oh, there it is. Look at that. It's oh, damn. Ch chitin. Oh yeah. Okay. There you go. Man, it kind of looks like a. The mouth Ooh. of it looks like a vag a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. And that's probably what gets you into it. Some perv over there by the beach being like, hold on, son, I'm going to go meet up with this little thing. You think, do you think that people in Australia, you think somebody like if they wanted to, if they wanted to like end it all, would just go find something like that? And, like use it as like a sex easy, toy right? or something or just spend time with it. Oh yeah. Oh, like I see what you're if saying. They wanted to die, you right. Know? If you wanted to die. So you don't, now that is kind of nice. It's almost like God saying, Hey, you don't need to hang yourself or, you know, you don't have to get all Brooks was yeah, here. Like, you know, you yeah, can, you can go the way, you know, the right. natural way. I've always off. said I wanted to, if I, if I was going to die, I, I like an, an, like an animal killing me would be kind of, kind of honorable, I think. Well, better, especially since you hunt cancer, too, you know, yeah. Do you feel like it's almost like turnabout is, you know, it's like it's a, their turn to get one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I've always thought that, that they were here first kind of thing and, and, uh, I don't know. I just think it'd be it'd be terrifying, but like bit by a rattlesnake or like even a mountain lion or something, it would be terrifying. But yeah, or just nature, dude. Like letting nature get you. Yeah, like some naked and afraid shit, dude. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the day, like you could, you know how Jack Daniel died, the whiskey guy. Mm -mm. He fucking got mad because he couldn't open a safe or something, and he kicked it. And his toe got infected, and it went up through his body, and they chopped his leg off, and it kept going, and he died because he kicked a safe or a heater or something. But like back in the day, man, like if you if you fell and like cut yourself, like you could that was you could you could die, yeah, like instantly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, imagine and how like. That's what kind of, it's like, we are just living these long, like crazy, we don't need, yeah. that's why I think it's one of the reasons why we have so much mental health, because we don't have, any, at a certain point, you don't have anything else to do but have problems, you know? At a, yeah. It's like, we've just, because nature is, you're not, yeah, the same things aren't happening. People, now they even have like, um, it used to be you got stung by a bee, yeah, you were dying, you mm -hmm. know? You fell off a light, you fell off like a third, step three or four. Yeah. Died. Yeah. You know? You couldn't, and also- like tuberculosis, what happened to that? What is it? Look everybody, it up. everybody died from tuberculosis oh back in the God, day. Oh my God, it's heartbreaking. Do you think that like, I wonder if like tuberculosis was just like cancer before they knew it was cancer? Oh, there you go. Probably. 
Or do people like? Is there a va- is there a vaccine for it? Tuberculosis is a disease caused by germ germs. Sorry, that are spread from person to person through the air. Oh, dude, this was yeah. Can people still get it though? Or is affects it- the lungs? It can also affect other parts of the body, such as the brain. Oh God, kidneys or the spine. Imagine that. It literally sounds like COVID, dude. Yeah, it sounds. It definitely has very early COVID vibes. But do you think? Uh, over 10 million people get infected with tuberculosis every year. Was there a That's cure That's got to be it? in India or something, dude. Yeah, I can't imagine. I never met anybody with it. Have you? No. I thought, I mean, no, absolutely But not. dude, when I was growing up, people would have like, you'd have a dude who like, if he got hit by something... That's just how he was. You oh, know? like polio or something. Oh, yeah. You had a dude who got hit right, like with a oh, baseball oh, bat oh. in the side real hard. Yeah. And he was just like that from now on, dude. You had a <laughs> dude, if somebody broke their collarbone, they're just, their shirt never fit right. You know, just that's who they were. Like everybody had spaced out teeth, had a bad eye. You'd always see him at church and you'd finally ask like your parents and they'd be like, well, when he was a kid yeah. and then like, yeah. And the truth would come out. Yeah. He but now everybody's all patched up. Oh, yeah. For sure. It's different, man. Like scoliosis. Like people, that was, that's such a common thing. Back in the day, people were just no, they like, checked at school? Yeah. Yeah. Did they do checks at your school? They yeah, would yeah, come yeah. and you'd have to bend over and that lady would do both of them. Yeah, I do remember like that. that. Down your back. That's right. Damn, dude. I forgot all about that. They would check that damn spine, boy. Check that railroad on you. Mm-hmm. School nurse, dude. God, dude. Oh, I, we had, for a while, we had a hot one, and then we had a man, dude. Man nurse? I, I used to know oh, anything man could be God. That and was nobody tough. got sick for like two years, dude. All the guys, like. Just scared to death. Oh, dudes were like, dude, I don't want to get sick. I think they were just scared of, you know, just, you know, it just wasn't. They didn't know what, a lot of people had never seen a man nurse. Yeah, I, I didn't think, I didn't think it was allowed. Oh. I thought it was like illegal or they, I, honestly, I truly, I thought it was like you were gay. Yeah. Like oh, actually definitely. gay if you were a man, a man right, nurse. Right, it was just part of the practice. And I think early on it probably was, you know, I think now it's a little bit more universal. Yeah. Because you see a lot of Latino male nurses that have like families and stuff. But I think in the beginning, yeah, it was like, it was like, I think a lot of men used to want to have kind of women jobs kind of, you know, I think Hmm. if they were, I think a lot of gay men, because I think here's probably why, because they probably weren't accepted in a lot of male jobs. Yeah, I'm sure. You know? Maybe people made them feel like they weren't capable, like a maid, a maid, like a man made, man made, damn. Or a train conductor. There's no way if some guy was like, yeah. they're going to let him run the train. Even though he would have loved it, dude. Yeah. Oh, bro. All aboard, bro. Bro, I think they should only have gay male train conductors, I feel like. <laughs> Could you imagine, dude? Why would they have anybody? Who wants a, like a, some straight dude being like, bro, you want that fucking party dude, boy up 100%. there. 100%. You know how it's got like the little rail that, you know, and they just do a little grind on it and they <laughs> pop up in there and fucking go to town? Dude, that's what I want, man. Damn. Yeah. Um, nurse. It's does it feel weird to consider that you've made you know this term that you've made it? It's a weird feeling, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Man, I don't know. I don't. I've never. I don't. I don't see. Maybe there will come a time, but like I, I always feel like there's a next step, a next level. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Or if you're that's in the a good midst of something. Thing. Yeah. Right. Like something is next, always. Like I'm still doing it. Yeah. Maybe I haven't written my best song yet. Or... Yeah, no, I dude, 100% believe that. Wow, I that's hope a I nice always feeling. feel like that, for yeah. sure. Yeah. 
Because I don't know. I think con- content can can kill somebody's career. I've seen it happen to friends and stuff. You know, yeah. and like that. That's definitely a thing. But also, you know, want to learn how to slow down or like I don't know. Feel like that. You know, I appreciate moments, but like really try to take time to be like, man, I have done really well and like technically have made it. You know, to a lot of people and. Because there are times where I'm I'm constantly worried about the next year and, man, we're going to be in arenas next year. And the year after that, we're going to do this and that and, you know, and kind of constantly worried about that. But it's good to check yourself for sure. What, um, you started a family. I yeah. Mean, you know, that's one thing I think that kind of starts to put down something that's real to you. Yep. And you seem to really love your wife, you know. I, I mean, do, you man. S- you seem to really love being around her. You know, I notice that when I'm around you. You guys have such a nice connection. It's admirable. Thank you, man. Um, How did that kind of come to play, man? Did you know she was the, there was no doubt when you bro, met her? How did it go down? First night I met her, man. Dang. It was uh, awesome, boy. It, Dude, I, I, again, my buddy Hunter Phelps, this is so cheesy, but we, we hung out. I met her at, uh, I was, I was playing drums for Hunter opening for a guy named Jameson Rogers at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I met her there. She went to Ole Miss. She did. Oh, dang. She's Ole Miss girl. She's from San Diego, but went to Ole Miss. Ooh, okay. Yeah, okay. Best of both worlds. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and we met and then like, she took us. Well, they went to her apartment, hung out with her friends, and then she took us. I always remember she drove us barefoot to Huddle House. Oh God! We ate Huddle House. She went. She went to Huddle House barefoot, bro, oh, which God, is a thing boy. on its own. Oh, that's tuberculosis. Dude. Yeah, that's exactly, bro. It, that's ringworm <laughs> yeah. fucking shit. And uh, and then like, yeah, if you like it, put a ringworm on it. <laughs> dude, exactly. I'm I'm gonna put that in a country song. I'll give you a credit, dude. It won't be a good song. I already tell you that, bro. <laughs> um, but anyway, and I knew that after that night, man, I was like, I gotta keep in touch with this girl because ah, uh, so and, that was after keeping touch with her. There's yeah, something about her. Yep. And yeah. I'd never really, I'd never had that with anybody. And then we went. She and I, we dated. We'd been dating for like uh, three or four months, not long, and then. When she got out of college, I she and I took a road trip from here to San Diego to meet her parents already. I mean, we just it was a one it just was we just knew. And so we drove all the way across the country. It's my favorite memory I've ever had. And so is it's hers too. It was just everything it was like we were like newly like in love and shit and but also seeing the you know the driving across the whole country together. And like just that whole experience, but we would hit like a middle of nowhere spot, but then go to Vegas the next night. It was unbelievable. And, uh, but anyway, uh, there was never, never a doubt, dude. It was awesome. Damn. Yeah. And did you, where'd you propose at? Did you do something? I did at the venue that I met her at a specific spot in this venue called the Lyric in Oxford. Okay. And I proposed, I faked a, uh, she, she knew she, she tells me she don't, she fucking knew. But I faked that I had a private show at this venue uh, on a Sunday after our Atlanta show on Saturday. And so she rode with me to the private show and uh, we go in the venue and then like it had been like laid out with flowers. And oh, so wow. I did it like at the exact spot that we we met. It's pretty oh, that's cool. cool, man. Yeah, man. That's romantic. Yeah, dude. Does it feel hard to keep up with that amount of romance? Because some dudes are like, oh, dude, I'm starting with low-level romance, dude. <laughs> so you always have something to work up to? Yeah, yeah, dude. So there's no, we're moving up, you know? Man, I try, dude. Yeah. I I don't know if I don't know if I would consider myself romantic, but uh, I try. And it's, it's tough, man. I think in any relationship, but it's just always some, so much shit going on and like, 
just try to take a second every couple of weeks and like think of something, you know, to do like out of the ordinary. Just and I, it could be anything. It could be like a fucking Chick Fil A gift card to leave, you know, and be like, go get some lunch. So it could be anything, but I just yeah. try to do something just to, to keep it, to keep it, you know, keep it interesting or whatever. Yeah, to be thinking of somebody else, you know. Yeah, because that's the thing. I think in the end, we want to be thought of. You know, people want to be damn thought yeah. of. You know. Yeah, and that's you know, like the love languages thing. You ever heard of that? Oh yeah, yeah. Hers is like definitely, um, like. Uh, acts of service and like quality time and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And I've learned that, you know, throughout us dating and being married, but I always just try to think of that. Like, even if it's just like one little thing or whatever, you know, yeah, it's hard though, man. Like this life, it, you know, it's just busy, busy, busy. And I come home and I'm tired and stuff, but I'm, I'm she's, she deserves it. So like, I, I really try to do as much as I can to, you know, out of the ordinary for her. Yeah. I just noticed that when I'm around. It's like, you really put her on a, you know, you, you, there's no doubt that you – I feel like when I'm around you and she's around that you present her proudly. Yes, I do. And there's yeah, something about that that is uh, – it's like, oh, I, I I would like to be like that. Yeah, sure, man. When I'm, you know, in love with, with, with a lady. So It's easy to do when you find the one that, that you want to do it with, though. Like, I'm never – I'd never be ashamed of Was there a close call before that? Was there any – We went through a little – Where little, you got married, though, where you almost got married before? With me and another, another, yeah. no, that was it. Nah, I had like one other, maybe, maybe two in the past, like serious girlfriends. Like, I would say, like, I wouldn't count a serious girlfriend until after you're like 18, you know what I mean? So, I had like maybe two over the course of eight years before I met her, but nah, not like never really considered like going and buying a ring or anything like that. Yeah, just it was just like a year, year relationship or something like that. She was the only one for sure. That's cool, man. Yep. Damn, she went to Ole Miss, too. She did. She's from San Diego. Her dad was in the military. You see a lot of that California to Ole Miss. No. She only knew, uh, she knew like one other girl, I think, from San Diego, but um, she wanted, dude, she's, she wanted to, an experience outside of what she was raised in. And so she went and toured. She said she went and saw like Texas, uh, LSU, maybe Alabama, and then she went to Ole Miss, and she just was like, "This is where I want to go." She did say that she, <laughs> when she went, she was she thought like you know, as a lot of people, I think she was like, "This is South, so everybody's gonna have like cowboy hats and shit." And she shows up, and it's just a bunch of fucking fat frat dudes, like you know what I mean, like completely different, you know, than what she thought. But uh, well, especially at Ole Miss, I don't think you get the cowboy hat at Ole Miss. No, no, that's a Mississippi State thing. Yeah. Yeah, the old yeah. miss is all the kids from Memphis and Jackson, dude. Yeah, definitely. City, city kids, city country kids, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does, man. That's interesting. Um, Ben, was there anything else in the news that we wanted to look at? I'm trying to think of anything else that was cool. Oh, dude, what? Let me see. People, yeah, it says the average penis length is growing, according to a new study. The study was led by Michael Eisenberg, a urology professor at Stanford Medicine and sexual function specialist. The uh, compiled data from over 75 studies done between 1942 and 2021. Damn, he's been just mm. looking at a lot of ween, huh? Uh, gathered measurements of the erect penises of over 55,000 men. God, this dude's probably in the damn closet. If he's got a wife, she needs to damn knock on the door sometimes Bro. and see what's going on in there. 55,000 men and erect, dude. Yeah, there's no way you could look at this many. They, 
I don't want to bring up a picture of the guy, but damn, <laughs> dude, are we sure he's not just the findings were astounding? <laughs> yeah. Is what he says, dude. Oh, uh, let me see. Zoom in on. Bro, him. there's no way that that guy wasn't born in. Oh no, he just looks like a dude who would it look says at the forty two nineteen forty two though. Oh, that's when the that's when he's been looking at him from then. Oh, oh, okay. So he's just been looking at pictures from then. Yeah. Are drawn. How do you even find a picture of an erect <laughs> penis from 1942? Oh, you! I think you can get that pretty easily. I think it's some of the rest of the. It's like just putting them all in a stack or whatever. Just How many thing. is? There? Go back to the information, please, brother. Let me see the findings were sounding. Penis length also showed variation by geography. Go down. Um, let's get into some information. Oh, it locked up. Great. You know what's becoming interesting? You have to pay for news now. Do you notice that? Yeah. So then if you, over time, whatever information is going to be only available to people with money. Mm. Damn, that's wild. It's going to get weird. Yeah, you get, you read, I've noticed that. Like I'll see a clickbait thing and you'll read like the, the just enough. And then it's like for the rest, like subscribe to Huffington Post or whatever yeah. it is. Oh, there you go. Can we get any more? Eisenberg told Stanford. Showed variation by, we, we all knew that already. By geographic region? Yeah, that's that's a given, right? I think so. In the article, Eisenberg said, chemical exposure could be interacting with our hormone makeup, which could be one of the many reasons the biological change is occurring. Oh, maybe people are living in a place where there's more plastics in the water? Or, or could it be like, uh, I've heard like kids, like a 13-year-old boy or girl today, Looks like a like a grown up like has the is built like a grown up uh, compared to like in the thirties forties fifties or wow. whatever because of like hormones in the food or something like that. That's crazy, dude. It's weird what we're gonna end up as. Wow. We're gonna end up like chickens in your dad's thing. Yeah, we probably kind of already are. You know, <laughs> it feels like it, doesn't it? Sometimes, yeah. You know, it feels like we all know the same information and are kind of like watching this. You know, it's like we all get the same six news stories every day. Yeah. We're all kind of like stuck in the same thing. What about that train thing? Are you keeping up with that? That Ohio derailment? Yeah. It's supposed to make it here, but I don't. Oh, that cloud is coming here? I, or something. Yes, oh, in the water. Damn, well, I'm going to get a hot air balloon and go up and get a hit because <laughs> if that shit comes over here, you might boy, grow a fucking tail or something if you do that, dude. Like a third arm or something. Dude, I'll take it, bro. If I had three arms, dog, oh, what would I do? What would you do with three arms? Would you go? Would you fight people? Oh yeah, I would grapple. You'd make a hell of a prostitute, I think, too. Oh yeah, dude, you'd be. You could juggle. Oh, but you'd have to juggle like five things, right? Yeah, that's true, huh? You have to really up the ante. What would you do if I had three arms? Oh, you could be a really good like blackjack dealer. Oh yeah, card dealer. Dude, I, remember I, I got a hand job from this gal that dealt blackjack one time and i remember at the end she went like this she went like this she she it was like <laughs> at the end dude and then went like that yeah it was awesome dude <laughs> pretty cool and that was over by uh i think by the wind is that in louisiana y'all got casinos oh, no, that was in las there. vegas oh vegas no we don't we have two you guys have tupelo right uh, Tunica. Tunica. But well, that's another thing about my hometown. We got two big uh, Choctaw casinos. Oh, really? Out in the country. Like, you you top over this hill, dude, and it's these two, like, they're like what the size of like Tunica or somewhere like, uh, like Vicksburg. Like, they're, but there's one that's crazy. It's called the Golden Moon, and it's mm -hmm. this 
like stairway to heaven looking shit with a with a big old moon at the top corner of it. It's pretty wild. It's in Philadelphia. Oh wow! But I moved here when I was twenty and when I was nineteen, so I never got to go and do it. Yeah, and I was afraid of getting out there, like sneaking out there and trying to sneak on the floor and like getting arrested or going to like Choctaw Jail or something. You know? Oh yeah. What did we have? Did you no. have one in Covington or close? No, what did we have? We had we had like a daiquiri place people would go drink it. That was big in Louisiana, get you a daiquiri. Oh, I've heard all, and they put the little straw, the thing on the end. Yeah, if they through. don't take like the thing, if they don't take the paper off the straw, it counts then it's as not a closed container. Right. So they'll give you that thing with that little hat on it, yeah. you know? Dude, uh, it's crawfish season. Oh, yeah, it's good. Man, I haven't, I haven't had any yet this year. Yeah, they're good, man. Did you guys ever have them up in Mississippi? Did they get up yeah, there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we, we actually just recently in the past 10 years, there's a place in Philadelphia called Blake's Seafood, and they do it there. Damn. And you can go get like a big old – you know, I'm actually going to Philadelphia tomorrow. I'm playing a little acoustic hometown show, and I might go get some crawfish. That sounds pretty good. That does sound good. Dude, we used to go – because I used to work on a farm in Mississippi in the summers. Okay, so I would go I've, up I've to, heard you say that before. I'd go up to Natchez, right? Yeah. And the farms, I mean, the land was actually right over the levee in uh, Louisiana. Oh, really? Because so, Natchez is on the border, right? Yeah. So we'd go up by like Deer Park. We'd be like in Faraday and Vidalia, like right there. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. And we'd go across and and we'd be in, uh, in Mississippi. And yeah, it, it was nice, man. What kind of farm was it? It was soybean, corn. Oh, okay. Cotton. Did y'all ever find arrowheads out there? Milo. Uh, no, but they had land around where we go look for them sometimes on the weekends. I find them. I, I look for them out here. Go look for Civil War shit. Yeah, and yeah, look yeah. For, yeah. Well, Natchez, that's right. Yeah. Apparently, Natchez, though, was like a, that the, the Union came up the river and they fired a bunch of cannons off and that the whole city came out and was just like surrendered or whatever. Oh, they you know gave that? up? Yeah, and it kind of opened up the gate. <laughs> oh, they, they... Natchez gave up... Natchez to the Union. Go look it up. Natchez surrender in a civil war. And they, and Damn. They, they, I think they kind of opened up the gate to because there's a lot the of battles there of now. Vicksburg I don't know what they were that. doing then, but I could see everybody being on something and just dude. This is right here. It's big civil war shit. Really? Yeah, big time. There's a hill right over here called Shy's Hill, mm-hmm. and there's a memorial at the top. It was a giant battle. People, people find uh, still to this day find relics and shit in the Damn. ground. Metal, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. all kinds of stuff. I'd get out My there. My buddy says he saw a ghost. He lives over here. Uh-uh. Says he saw a union. I mean, dude, and this dude is- Is he from not, Mississippi? No, he's from uh, he's from Minnesota. Oh, damn. Um, I don't know if they usually like ghosts as much. Dude, he was laying in his hammock, said he saw a dude walking th- like up the side of his hill in like Civil War outfit. Oh. I swear to God. And he was like, dude, he was like, I don't believe in nothing. And I saw this and I was like, I think I just saw a ghost walking up Shy's Hill where there was like an actual battle. It's pretty wow. crazy. I could see that, man. I could see there being so much traffic, right, where a lot of deaths happen at once. Yeah, that a couple spirits get kind of logged in the yeah, uh, something like that, in right? The ether. Open that back up, Ben. Please surrender. There you go. Surrender, surrender to Natchez, Natchez, Mississippi. There we go. This shit looks damn. Is this a play? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, pretty sure that's pretty sure it was a thing that they fired a bunch of cannons and shit. I got a damn AA meeting. Do you? Yeah. What time? In one minute. Oh shit! Right. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it's word. at home. Oh word! All right, cool. Um, 
Yeah, will you be bummed if we and and chat another time? Dude, not at all. Okay, cool. Bro, I've been um, here for like two hours, just, dude. Yeah, we've been I, sitting here for a while. I appreciate the time, man. Yeah, I appreciate you teaching me about the Neshoba County. Yeah. Dude, yeah. you gotta go. Dude, I can't even believe it. it. Looks amazing. I can't believe I've never heard of it. I mean, you can God. just walk and dude, like people are so inviting. Like you can walk into any cabin mm-hmm. and say, Hey, I'm not from here. Can you guys tell me something to do? And any cabin will be like, Come in here, feed you. Like it's just it's the coolest thing in the world. God. And it's hot as fuck, which I love, dude. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting, man, is I noticed like say if like there's been times where I go and stay in a hotel somewhere and then I'll stay like in an off the beaten path place that doesn't have air conditioning. Mm-hmm. And there's something about when you're in that non-AC place, mm-hmm. you like wake up in the middle of the night, you're sweating and yeah. shit's weird. And it's like, but it feels like more natural. Yeah. It's sticky I and mean, it's it nasty, yeah. but it feels a lot more natural. Yeah. We know? did that in Thailand. Like we went to Thailand for a honeymoon and like there was a couple places that were like that. And it was just like, they just don't have air conditioning. Yeah. You feel like you're just out. You, you know, you're inside. You feel like you're outside or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think there's just you're more in tied into nature when that kind of stuff's going on. Yeah, you know. But yeah, I could imagine that there's a lot of places where people died at once, and then there's just bumper to bumper traffic going to heaven yeah, or whatever. I think so. And people are like, I'm a mill around. Yeah, it's like that's like why like uh, um, mental hospitals and like old prisons and shit. You know, where like a lot of people died in one place. They say that's like the most haunted places. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I could see it. Yeah. Um, all right, the Mockingbird and the Crow. Yeah. Congratulations, man. Thank you very much, yeah, man. Yeah, please keep, keep please keep writing and making cool music, man. Thank you, brother. I love you. You know, my sister and I are, one of my sisters and I have been real super close, and we listen to uh, give uh, Heaven Some Hell, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, dude, we, we, we just jam. I was like, we've never done that before. That's awesome, dude. So it's cool, like, you know. We Man, never had that kind of even those li- that little moment of fun. We never had that. That's cool, dude. I, I, that's that makes my day. That's the power of music, man. It really is. It's the only language we all know how to speak, dude. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Uh, thanks for all your contributions to it. Oh, uh, you guys can check out Hardy. Uh, we'll put all his links to everything, and um, and you guys can catch him on tour on his own tour and uh with Mar- with Morgan and Parker and Bailey and Earn um, and Earn. Yeah. Oh, dude. So funny. Earn. I can't wait to have Ernan here. Yeah, he's a trip. Yeah, he is, man. Thank you so much. Uh, dude, th- it's just, I really appreciate it. Man. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I'm glad we got to spend some time. Oh, yeah. Now I'm just floating on the breeze And I feel I'm falling like these leaves I must be cornerstone Oh, but when I reach that ground I'll share this peace of mind I found I can't